fear the man, the slender man, for he can do what no one can. Hello, and welcome to Manacled by Propriety, Ramjack's Rules of Order. Hello, my fine, fine pussycats. My name is Jonathan Pernasek. I am coming to you from the Chicago studio, and over there, far, far away, but not too far, he's right in your little ears. Oh, if you just had a mirror up to your ears. What? I'm over here. Come closer, my friend. Hello? My good friend, what, what is your name? I'm just another citizen, friend, getting closer to the microphone. Another Hello? citizen? We're in a stage adaptation of 1984. Hello, fair citizen. That's what they called each other, right? Mm, Definitely. Definitely, yes. Brad, it's you. You didn't say your name, so I'll say it for you. It's you, Brad. It is me. Hooray. (laughs) Punky. Punky. Brad. Uh, Punky. Punky. We will be talking about Miss Brewster. Uh, We will be talking about many a thing. Oh, no. I only just now recalled such a bad gag from this week's episode parenthetical S parenthetical of Bucky Booster. But first, uh, Brad, I'm going to throw to you what do you have for us for this fine episode of Rimjik? Um, Guys, we got a a lot of of hot topics to discuss. A lot of things. A lot of things. Um, Did I watch the Slenderman HBO documentary? Yes, I did. Stop um, asking. <laughs> please, everyone, relax. Leave We're me alone. It. Oh, I'm just constantly, constantly getting bar- barraged on the streets. When are you going to talk about the Slenderman dog? It's been out Watched for it. months. It's How long has that been out, for, actually? It's like, I, like, I think a couple of weeks. Okay, fair enough. It's relatively. And I got some breaking news on that case as well. You personally? Um, <laughs> Well, not person. I mean, I personally am going to bring you the news. Uh, oh, okay. Um, updated as of today. Um, are we going to be talking about Riverdale? Yes. Yes, we are. Stop asking. <laughs> Please, everyone. Okay, everybody, calm Shh. the fuck down. If you don't calm the fuck down, Shh. I'm going to start talking about <laughs> grisly child murders. <laughs> um, sword and scale style, okay? And you're all going to be too upset to continue listening. Look, you can either hear about grisly child murder, attempted murder via the Slenderman documentary, or you can hear about actual successful murders of children. Yeah. He cut off in her disturbing head detail. and placed it in an Easter, ba- Easter basket. <laughs> Happy Easter, he said. Hey, let's read the chat logs between two monsters. Mm. <laughs> the eyeballs are so squishy, don't you find? <laughs> Stop it, you freaks. Now, Brad, is this, correct me if I'm wrong, because I feel like there are a couple Slenderman projects either already out or in development. So the HBO documentary, is that the one that covers the case of the middle school students? Yes. Okay. I remember seeing the trailer for this, and I remember people covering the release of the trailer saying, this trailer is so fucking scary, it will scare the shit out of your butt. And I was like, wow, okay. But I could tell from the trailer that what this was really going to focus on was this court case. So it's basically a true crime story, not a, not an actual attempt at making Slenderman appear real or truly frightening. No, 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 no. It's no. The truly frightening thing is the human mind. Mm, very true, very true. I really, really fucking hate the American justice system. Um, 
I hate the concept of justice to begin with. It's gross almost any time the word's used. Um, but this disturbs me to my core. I had to stop like 15 minutes in because once again, we're trying children as adults. Okay, so that, I don't know if I fully understood that. Uh, okay, yeah. so they were bringing these, it's two girls, they attempted to kill their friend in the name of Slenderman. Yes, two 12-year-old girls okay. um, stabbed their friend uh, 19 times um, to appease Slenderman so that Slenderman would come and take them away to Slender Mansion. Uh, sure. I mean, who doesn't want to? I mean, there's the Ronald McDonald McMansion, uh, and then there is the Slenderman McMansion. Yeah, of course. He's of got course. all the cool drinks. <laughs> and I just, like, I, I cannot tolerate fucking trying children as adults in indie circumstance. But when they're, when they're committing a crime to appease Slenderman, those aren't adults. I... I don't think there's any occasion. Like, we draw the line as an adult as 18. I mean, I think there's plenty of cases that can be made where someone 19, 20 hasn't fully developed their brain to the point of making adult decisions. But we've made the arbitrary line at 18. Mm -hmm. That's what we're calling an adult. So, you don't get to try children as adults. 12-year-olds that believe in monsters in the woods. Yeah, it's it's a strange it's a strange distinction. Uh, it's an arbitrary distinction, like with everything that has anything to do with age in the justice system. I mean, I guess in the in the minds of I haven't seen you know this documentary, so I, I don't know what the it it is always strange how we make these age distinctions in the justice system. And I haven't seen the documentary, so I don't really know what the angle of the prosecution was. But I, from reading enough about it, I feel like the the thing that always gets decided, the decision that people make is, well, this crime in particular, we're choosing, we, we choose to look at this crime as especially malicious, and we, we have decided that we think, you're already making a decision about how you feel about these kids when you decide to try them as adults. Mm -hmm. and, and what you're saying is, no, but this, this somehow crosses a line into what we deem to be adult violence. This is adult violence. Correct. And I, I don't it's it's very strange. I don't I don't know how much of the the like the story of the crime like affects that decision. If it had just been a matter of like, you know, these three girls were in school and these two girls hated the third and they just decided to attack this girl. Now, and if they had only done so much to her in terms of the violence, if they hadn't gone as far, would they have been tried as adults? I think the whole Slenderman angle and their justification of why they did what they did really amped up the uh, the tension. I And I, I'll go into some more of that in a bit, but I think what what really bothered me was when the judge made his decision um, what his his statement was basically the fact of, um, well, you know, the severity of this crime. This crime was, you know, 19 malicious stab wounds. Um, As opposed said, to 18 or 20. Yeah. They said they were, they said they were going to go get help, um, and they lied and left her to die. That is so cruel and unconscionable, um, that it, what are we going to do? I mean, 
if if we if we were left them in the juvenile court system, um, at the age of eighteen, they could be free to be walking the streets. And can we trust that? I'm like, at eighteen, they're twelve years old when this happens. Yeah, so you're already six saying, years. Yeah, you're six. saying that you would dump them into the juvenile system for six years in this I, alternate I, reality. <laughs> like, I think the way America like like jails prisoners is insane to begin with because there is there is no pretense of fucking reform like oh no i mean i I, you make a horrible mistake and you kill someone like how like how much of your life is 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 there is there are we saying there's absolutely no chance that you can be contributing to society i it's insane like i like the amount of time people serve for things is insane. Like, why don't we just do psychological screening to make sure they're safe to re-enter the world? Well, we talk, I mean, we talk a real, like, C-minus game in this country about how we want to reform the prison system and the mental health system. Uh, but it's laughable because no steps are ever really taken. Uh, all of the, you know, nice liberal progressive words ultimately wind up meaning nothing because I think at the end of the day, the vast majority of people really are much more comfortable with the idea of just throwing people in a room and like by doing that also saying like we will never let them out of that room people just like the finality and the security of that so yeah i I, the, the fact that this judge i mean so what what was his ultimate uh decision well he decided that they would they would be tried as adults Okay, and then does it also go through? I can't remember what their sentences were ultimately. Well, they have, the trial isn't until later this year. Oh, okay. I was okay. I thought maybe um, the film may have already covered that, or if that had already no, no, wrapped no, no, up no. or something. Um, oh, wow. As, okay. Actually, breaking news as of today. Oh. Um, one of the girls, um, they had filed appeals, of course, um, and they've denied the appeals to uh, put them into juvenile court. So they're definitely going to be tried as adults. Like I think wow. come September. Now, here's something I didn't know until watching the documentary. I will also of, say, I will also say real quick, they should be uh, very thankful that they are not black. Oh, they would already be. Yeah, let's go ahead and I murder mean, them. Let's go ahead and murder some twelve-year-olds. I mean, done and done. That's a uh, very, that's a very like I. Others might say that's a very cynical thing to say. I don't think it's very cynical. No, not at all. They wouldn't. Even, they wouldn't. Even, they wouldn't even bother with the documentary. No. Uh, <laughs> well, oh boy. <laughs> like. Uh, um, what I didn't know until watching this documentary is that one of these girls is schizophrenic. Oh, I did not understand that at all. No. Oh, boy. And it's not like they're, well, it's, they're just trying breaker. to make a defense that she's schizophrenic. Her father's schizophrenic. Like, it runs in the family. Like, there's no chance that this girl is not schizophrenic. And of the two girls, which one was... Is is there sort of an idea put forth that one of them was, like, the leader? Like, maybe Honestly, pushing it further... <laughs> Kind of, but honestly, like, as the documentary goes back and forth, I could never, like, I I kept forgetting which one was which, so no. <laughs> that's, that's all on me. Um, Fair enough. I d- didn't do the, the research, but one of them, like, clearly has issues. And the other thing, the thing is, so we're we're a little bit older than the kids that got into Slenderman, I guess. Yeah, just um, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, what a statement. So part of this, this, uh, part of this whole thing is, like, um, yeah, it's spooky and creepy, but there's also, like, this whole weird, like, <sighs> there's this whole angle to it that I clearly, like, poor, sad, like, lonely kids put onto it 
that they've made it this like Slenderman takes you away. Like you're you're angry and upset and sad and lonely, but Slenderman comes and he takes you away. And there's this whole there's kind of an escape thing about it as well that I wasn't really aware of. And that's part of why these girls were because they were like outcast kind of lonely kids. And that yeah, was part it, of the draw. No oh, man. I, I mean I was thinking about how we were going to talk about this today, and I just sort of kept thinking on how kids, some sometimes kids just need something to like latch onto, and yeah, it doesn't matter if I mean the the weirder it seems to other people outside of it, the better, um, because then it's a matter of like, well, only we get it. It becomes a matter of like, I just need someone to look at me and say, I agree with you on this. Yeah. Like we understand this, we're friends, and that's and that's I think a lot of this because you've got the one girl that is schizophrenic mm-hmm. and like genuinely believes all of this, and the other that is lonely and sad and needs this to be true and is being pushed along by this friend that has clear mental issues. Um, and like they're just feeding off of each other, and like one of the things they kept saying was they needed to prove. They need to prove to all the non-believers that Slenderman was real, because right. they fucking... I, I mean, they're children. Like, this doesn't... This If this proves more than anything that they're children, this is why they should be tried as children, because look at what they're thinking and doing. Yeah. You're, you're trying to you're trying to apply, like, the cool, calculating logic of, like, a premeditated murder enacted by an adult, as opposed to a tragic bizarre act of violence enacted by two girls who have varying like varying lack of logic and no ability to make connections about what they are doing and what they result in what those actions result in I should say and it's just it you it doesn't it one does not equal one in this scenario it's not the same fucking thing yeah yeah I mean, if the, some I just, of the things, I, Jesus Christ! I mean, the things that I said as a teenager, this things that I, uh, some of the just kids go off on crazy tangents, and they, and it doesn't, Jesus Christ! I mean, twelve years old—that's when this happened to these kids. Doesn't get any better sometimes. Like you either learn to grow into yourself more and become more comfortable with yourself, or you double down and you get worse. And a lot of the time, it's like we see those kids and it's like, well, that kid's weird. And the teachers feel the same way that the kids do. The teachers and the kids just look at those individuals and say, well, we all know that that's the strange person in the school. We don't know what to do with them. And then if they do something or if they like uh, commit some sort of, you know, act, then everybody gets to go, ah, well, didn't we know? While also saying, ah, what could we have done? Like that chin stroking, like, ah, but what could we have done to prevent this? Well, you knew what you could have done, but you didn't do it because you were uncomfortable. These people make you uncomfortable. Men- men- mentally unstable people make you uncomfortable. So you didn't do anything. And now someone has nearly died and you get to sit there and go, ah, what a tragedy. If only we had done something as you pick up your uh, Kindle, I don't know. <laughs> Like, fuck you. Fuck, like, fuck the adults right. that are, like, looking at these kids and thinking, uh, well, it's like that, um, it's like that Heavenly Creatures movie, if you've ever seen that. Yeah. That's, uh, one of Kate Winslet's earliest films. It's a very similar story, actually. Um, it's about two young girls who are, I think, right at the beginning of being teenagers. 
and they become obsessed with each other and they form this like entire like they they pass all these notes together and they become obsessed with the idea of no one gets it we're the only ones who get it this is like in like the 50s i th- i want to say in canada and eventually they just decide we're going to kill because we're being told that we can't be with each other anymore. We can't spend any time with each other. So we're going to uh, kill someone. I, I think it's just, I think it's one of their mothers. I can't recall which. But they just decide we're going to do this. And we're going to... That's the only way that it's going to happen for us uh, if we want to be free. So they kill one of the mothers. And that's a very similar narrative. Yeah. I. But I don't believe they were tried as adults. I feel like they were processed pretty quickly and now they're known as like uh, infamous figures but it's not like they were locked in prison for the rest of their godforsaken lives. I mean it's it just, the criminal justice system is so repulsive like our, extre- our the extreme senses we have for everything, like I, how much, we have no value on life at all in this country, like I, it's insane like, and the other thing is, like, once once you've gone through the criminal justice system, once that's on your record, you're done in life. You're oh, done. Yeah, I mean, like, good wh- lord. What are you gonna work at Walmart? Are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna survive on minimum wage? If 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 you can, if you can, you, you can. If you can convince you someone, no, it's not a matter of living or not living on minimum wage. Just convincing someone that you deserve minimum wage. I mean, good luck. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I. And children, 12-year-olds that believe in Slenderman because they're lonely what are we th- mentally What disturbed. do we think they're doing? Do we think they're lying? Do the people who want to try these kids as adults think they're, like, lying? Like, no, like, they, are, they it's, say no, that it's Slenderman, it, but I know what they are. These are killers, and they just wanted to kill. The judge... The judge couldn't be any more clear. He he says it's because because of the severity of the crime. We can't take a chance. Take um, a chance. That... It, Take a chance um, on, on on letting them into the public when they're eighteen. I what do you listen? What do you? Th- how do you think the world works? Do you think it's like, well, you're eighteen, you're free, we'll never check in again? Why can't Why can't we have some kind of system where we like, all right, mental evaluation at the age of eighteen? Um, are they ready to re-enter society? Then if they are, we let them re-enter society. I. I don't know how it works specifically, but if it doesn't work in some manner where we do a little check before, I, then why don't we do that? <sighs> I, because people who are at that level of authority don't want to uh, rile up the dander of people who would accuse them of being soft. No one wants to be seen as soft I, on crime. Like, you're going to let those maniacs out? Ah, we're going to have your job, and you're working. And then they're the ones getting the fucking death threats or whatever, and they have no spine, so they can't stand up to anything. They The entire the entire historical basis of our justice system is that we, we should always take a chance on letting a guilty person free as opposed to, um, like, um arresting or incarcerating an innocent person mm-hmm. like that's why there's the the 
there's the uh, the burden of proof. Like that's that's why these things exist, because we should always be more lenient than more draconian. Always. That's that's how it's supposed to work. I don't know what the fuck's happened in this country that we've like ratcheted things up so much, but that's not how it's supposed to work. I would always I would rather let a murderer that is gonna murder someone else again back out onto the streets than to let an innocent person or a person that's reformed remain in a prison cell. I, I, I feel bad for anyone who has chosen to like act as a defense attorney in anything that requires like real effort because the burden of proof, like, like laying that in front of a jury, which is supposed to be made up of <laughs> impartial minds, and there's supposed to be this huge uh, you know, focus on we have to get these the right people in this box because we all know that with certain cases it could very easily swing other ways. So we want to try and make sure that we're, tr- you know, actually convincing someone of something as opposed to reiterating what they already believe or trying to argue in front of a judge who's already made up their mind. Like it's just a nightmare. I would never, I, I would want to kill myself if I had to try and defend people I thought actually deserved a second chance only to have people stare at me and just gawk at me and think to themselves like, I can't believe this person's trying to defend. God, lock them up, fucking throw them in the goddamn chair. Like it's, we, we fraud, I mean, and this is, I don't think this is a new thing at all. I think for a, a very, very, very long time, we've just operated on this sort of frothing at the mouth, get rid of a mentality. Just kill them, just yeah. kill them. You tried to kill someone, great, you're dead. Get the fuck out, you're dead. Yeah. Thank God they're not black. I mean, that's what their parents should be saying to themselves every single... I mean, they will not receive the death penalty, right? I don't think that they would... I don't think they're going to receive the yeah. death penalty. They might receive, like... Because yeah. they did, Well, they didn't kill the girl. She's right. still alive. Um, right. So that's... They that's should think they're lucky stars. I mean, how, how are they going to testify? You're going you're gonna to bring up a schizophrenic 12-year-old girl and another 12-year-old girl, and you're going to, like, try and... What are you going to do? You're going to try and figure oh, this out? Also, also, part of what was... Uh, um, what was ruled on today was um, they were trying to make um, their confessions um, inadmissible um, because these 12-year-old girls, they're, um, they confessed to all this, um, but the, the lawyers were arguing, well, they're 12 years old. They don't really understand what um, the right to remain silent is because they're 12 mm, and they didn't call their parents. Oh. Their parents weren't there. Well. Like... And they didn't call the parents until after they got the confessions. No, okay, well then fuck it. Fuck off. Because, no, 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 no. That's what always happens in these fucking crazy cases. Like, there's always, not all, not just crazy cases, they always fucking corner people. They corner yeah. people and they slap papers down on the fucking desk and they go, fucking sign it, you piece of shit. Or else we're gonna fucking make your life a goddamn nightmare. Oh, man. I always, he- I always I- hear about these true crime stories, and I'm like, Jesus, what would I do if I was in a room and a cop said that to me? Like, you did it, sign this fucking paper, or else. I don't know if I would break or not. Good lord. I, it's, I just, like, you, you have a 12-year-old. I, listen, it's pretty obvious what happened. Call their parents. Call their parents. Mm. Like, it's... You're, you're gonna be able to prove this, alright? It's very clear what's going on. Like, I, if they get off, whatever, fuck off. They're 12 years old, call their parents. Just, it's a, it's a horrific act of violence. Like, it is, a, I'm not gonna sit here and act like it's not like this 
crazy act of violence that these two people did, but they're two kids. And kids are, I mean, this is a very broad statement, but kids are crazy. Like kids are just operating on like, like firing off impulses in their heads. And when you add schizophrenia to the mix, you can't account for any of it. Like, so good luck putting the schizophrenic girl on the stand and trying to like make her tell you, like, tell me what you did. Explain to me. It's not gonna work. You're not gonna be able to yeah. get what you think you're gonna get out of this because what you think it's like this, oh, you're trying to be a smooth criminal, aren't you? It's like, no, they're not, they're not masterminds, okay? They're not Leopold and, and Loeb, and for I, God's I sake. Really, I, I really, I think, I think you're putting much more onto it than there is because at no point during um, what I saw in the documentary did this judge um, even try to say that they were faking it or anything. Oh, man. It just, that just wasn't even a consideration. It's like they need to be tried as adults because they committed a serious adult crime. Fuck So, yeah, off. you're just saying circumstances don't matter. Like, yeah, so... Uh, Why don't we just try like, all crimes like that? It doesn't matter what happened. It being a serious crime is only amplified by the fact that they're children and should be tried as children because they're children. They made a, they did something insane because they're children that believe crazy things because one of them is schizophrenic and the other's a child. Like, I... (sighs) It's not... The crime they haven't done is not so extreme that they must be tried as adults. No. They did something extreme. They're children that did something extreme. Yeah, and, I, and they need help. And I don't mean to focus on like the judge's reaction. I just mean like when we get to the point where this is oh, a sure. trial, I'm just like, well, that's just going to be a circus, and no one's going to be able to stop talking about it. And then three, I mean, wait, I think feel like Ryan Murphy is already developing an American horror story season around Slenderman. Slenderman, which fuck off Ryan Murphy. Everything that I hear about your projects, it's a fucking disaster. He's gonna do, he's gonna do an American crime story about the 2016 election. I'm like, oh, that's great, Ryan. That's great. What a fantastic series that I won't watch a fucking second of. Um, but it's like, I, I, if it's just anything as good as OJ, I will be watching every I second. Mean, but I don't know how that will work. Uh, I'm very, I'm very, uh, very wary of anything Ryan Murphy puts out. I, people have said that that OJ show is uh, really good. OJ show is the greatest show of all time, and I'm, I love me some American. Now he's story. doing Katrina. Second season is Katrina. Um, not, I don't. Uh, but then later on, he's going to do the Clinton, uh, the Monica Lewinsky scandals. That seems more in line with OJ. Doing Katrina seems I, I, a little bit too... Why can't too... we do Menendez? I want Menendez yeah, but he's There's no way they won't do Menendez. It's just going to be all the 90s things. I just I just want to see... I just want to see somebody playing Jay Leno. Um, telling Menendez Brothers jokes. Oh, man. That would be a <laughs> truly surreal moment of television. Or they could just get Jay Leno, mm-hmm. because I'm pretty sure he's still making Menendez Brothers jokes. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Watch out, Jay. <laughs> Don't make those Menendez Brothers too mad now. <laughs> You're a searing bone... Cutting to the bone com- commentaries, it's gonna get him. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so right. beyond her being schizophrenic, was there anything you learned else that you learned in the documentary where you were like, "Oh, that's sort I, of I, a curveball." Didn't I didn't fully understand that. Well, I, you know, I there's just a lot of, uh, the stuff about the you know the the whole leaning into the Slenderman thing, like it taking you away, like that that aspect that is like grown into it was really was really upsetting to me. <laughs> Mm. Did they talk about? Did they go into what the Slenderman Mansion is, or like what that's supposed to represent? Is that like, a, like a utopia? Or I, no, it, they didn't really go into a lot of details. But it was just that's uh. the Slenderman's Mansion, and you become 
one of his servants. I don't know. It, oh boy, yeah, it's still creepy and spooky, but just the this the escapism of it. Like that's that was really sad. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah. w- one of the fathers, um, I, like they he they try to he tries to tie it into like the internet and kids like using the internet, and he's like he's got he's got another son that's still in school. Um, it's like younger, and it's like this year they're having the fifth graders get iPads and. I'm not real comfortable with that, you know, and I mean, I don't want my kid to be held behind, but I don't really like the idea of my kid having an iPad, and I think if you were in my situation, maybe you'd understand that. And I'm like, oh, I get that, but, like, you can't blame the internet on this. Yeah, I think, yeah. When you're the the dad or you're the mom, it doesn't sound like, yeah, it doesn't maybe sound like he's blaming the internet directly, but it's like he can... He's, yeah. he, I think he sees slippery slopes everywhere. Sure, now. yeah. Like, he's not going to trust anything, really. And just, like, all, all the shit, like, that, you know, people have to go through to to contact somebody that's in prison. Like, you know, it's very mm. expensive. Like, the phone calls, it's hugely expensive. Like, to go to go to where the prison's at is, it's, you know, a trek. The whole, you know, process. And then you've got to do this for your child, and, you know, you've got you know, the rest of your family. It's just this burden to have to do all of this. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Oh, well, if they're going to try them as adults, I mean, you were just talking about how sad it is that these kids like want to escape and be taken away from their lives because it makes me think of suicide. And if we want to, okay, so you're going to look at a 12 year old and say, you have the capacity to commit a crime like an adult. So we're going to try you like an adult. What you also have to understand is that kids can do another thing that's considered adult, and we're surprised when kids do it, which is commit suicide. So consider that. Like, the stories I hear about kids who commit suicide, like, they blow their heads off because they can't take bullying. They can't stand the fact that, like, they feel like nobody likes them. They can't understand uh, that their parents love them and want them to uh, feel better, and, it like, it doesn't impact them. It doesn't, like, they're numb to that. They want, like, they don't understand that the world is much like they they it's not the fact that they don't understand yeah. I, they do understand that the world is much harsher yeah uh and much harder absolutely than it is for other kids I, for some kids it's really well, easy and also 12 and it's 12 like that's that time like that's a crazy age that's the craziest age like you're having all like the the hormonal issues and everything else like it's almost no one is no nice. almost no when one. i when i was 12 i was incredibly suicidal because I had just come off of having, like, horrific seizures, like, daily insane seizures. I was, I had to be on homebound schooling for a while. I couldn't go to school because I was having seizures so often. And they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And then the seizures stopped. I had, I had already accepted the fact that I was going to die. I was like, I'm, I've come to terms with it. I've accepted it. I'm going to die pretty soon. And then, like, the seizures just stopped um, out of nowhere. Oh, and just like once you've accepted that you're gonna die and then you have to just go on living like that made me very <sighs> very depressed mm-hmm. because I was I was done I, I was fine with it I was like this is I'm, something's clearly wrong they can't figure out what's happening I'm gonna die that's okay I'm cool with it and then it's like no you're fine now yeah you're fine now like that's and we dramatic live in, we live in a bounce back we live in like a bounce back culture and that's only that cycle of bouncing back has only shortened more and more as like we have like social media and like news cycles shortening where it's like, well, yeah, like that's sad that that happened. 
but like, come on, today's another day. And it's like, fuck off. Yeah. And we tell that to kids too. We tell kids like, there's a certain way to grieve. There's a certain way to process really horrific moments in your life and feelings. But then at a certain point, you know, you just, you know, you know. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Yeah. Fuck off. Stop teaching kids that there are these absolutes and there are these hard lines. And like, we need to start teaching subtlety. Yeah. We need to start teaching gray areas and enough. Just stop. We want to treat kids like kids. We want to treat them like babies until they do arbitrary things and then suddenly they're adults. Like, yeah. <laughs> when you make us too uncomfortable, suddenly you're an adult and we need to put you in a prison for the rest of your fucking life. I mean, I got kicked out of, uh, basically kicked out of high school my senior year because I had a horrific, like, angry, just like, so confused and um, cynical diary that got me in a lot of fucking trouble. And I I didn't get expelled from school, thank, thank, thankfully. Like, I can't even imagine what my life, how my life would have gone if I actually had been expelled from school. But because I had, like, three months left in my senior year, they just basically said, well, you just can't come on campus, and we'll send you your diploma if you, like, do these, if you do this amount of work, we'll send you it in the mail. And so, like, I, I should be grateful, I guess, that I, I wasn't viewed as a more horrible person than I guess I was. I think people understood, like, this is a kid. Right. He's 17. In this diary that we've all read, he's talking about how he's gay and, like, trying to f- come out in Kentucky as gay. And he has a lot of, like, he's angry. He's just, Again, let's be glad you aren't black, Jonathan. <laughs> well, well. Bang, 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 bang. Oh, man. And everybody wanted, to, God, like, people just want that story, too. Because I, I remember, like, my friends saying, like, oh, like, the story of what actually happened, that's not what we heard. And everybody thought that this story was, like, much more dramatic. Because people want, they just want it. Like, oh, that's what happened? No, 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 no. Like, this is so much more interesting. What if he had done this instead? Well, that's not what happened. Everybody shut the fuck up. Yeah. We all like we we all we, we all love uh, O.J. Simpson like all these like true crime stories like we we love them we like we follow them and we're fascinated by them but you can't turn everything into a uh, fucking crazy circus just enough already indeed indeed oh Slenderman oh Slendy those the, even the poorly made Slenderman videos where people are like getting stalked and chased by Slenderman that's some spooky oh, shit oh it's creepy as fuck like. That's that's the one thing where you can make a crappy video and it's still fucking scary. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's I, there's a reason that thing took off. It's pretty rad. Uh, the original character design, I don't know who did it, but good job. Scary design. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I saw a comedy show where it was a musical and at one point the person singing is flanked by two Slendermen. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, real life Slenderman. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> and there's two of them. I mean, my God, <laughs> there are only two exits in this theater. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, man. The, the, a person wearing the silver mask? No. <laughs> no, thank you. With a full tuxedo? Mm-mm. <laughs> That's a fancy, fancy Slenderman. Nope, 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 nope. If Slenderman was wearing overalls, he would not be scary. No, not at all. <laughs> if he was barefoot, he would not be scary. Cool. <laughs> well, barefoot people, they're scary, oh. but... Oh. Uh, Brad, I would request that you take off your uh, film 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 critique hat 
The one that you would use to right. uh, watch a film. I'm taking it off. Okay. Thoop. I want you to put on, of your many hats, I want you to put on, that's right, your ethicist hat. Yay! Because I have some questions from the most recent <laughs> ethicist columns of the New York Times. These are gray lady advice questions. So uh, they're not your dear Abby, as I've said before. This isn't, this isn't fucking bullshit. This is some serious shit. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you the question and I'm going to ask you uh, what you think. And we'll find out what you, we've been talking a lot about ethics. All right. I, I was, I, I was wearing the wrong hat earlier. <gasps> you should have been wearing the ethicist hat right from the beginning. Oh. <laughs> or, or you could have put on your hear ye, hear ye, uh, white wig, oh. the judge wig. Mm. Uh, that's actually a perfect example of a hear ye, hear ye. True <laughs> that. Where it's like, Brad, what should have happened? Well, they shouldn't have been tried as adults. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Uh, so here is uh, here's the first uh, little scenario for you. A coworker of mine has recently adopted the habit of having a glass of wine at lunch. She's the only one of our small group who drinks alcohol at lunch. Others of our group find this behavior quite odd or even outright wrong. I have not said anything to my coworker about this and have written it off as a peculiarity. But now I have learned that she is drinking surreptitiously at her desk in the afternoon. I have no way of knowing how intoxicated she is when she leaves the office, but I believe that she drives herself home at least a few days a week. As you might expect, it is clearly against her company's policy to drink at the office. I am not inclined, however, to disclose what I know to her superiors under the general precept that she is an adult, capable of making her own decisions, and assuming whatever risks she may choose to assume. Nor do I feel that I have any responsibility to discuss my opinion of her behavior with her directly. Do I have the ethical responsibility to do something in order to reduce the chances that she hurts herself or others driving while intoxicated? Or more generally, do I have any responsibility to alert her directly to the inappropriateness of her behavior? Okay, there's a couple of things here. First of all, I don't trust this person writing in because she was alarmed okay. at a glass of wine at lunch. Which, well, she said she said other people found it odd. Those in in their group, their whole group can fuck off. Like it's a glass of wine at lunch. That is more than fine. Yeah, and I think this person agrees. I yeah. think in in this person's mind, they were like, "Well, that's one thing." I just I, I that just but having that be a red flag in this woman's like letter. I just I don't trust the whole drinking at her desk. Like, is she really drinking at her desk? Um, how, are you sure about this? Like, she said she learned, so she hasn't witnessed yeah, it. Yeah, I'm. So what does that mean? What, exactly, what does that mean? Are you gossiping? Like, I, I, I need to know the extent of that. If, if this person is an alcoholic, um, if this person is drinking to excess, absolutely, you can't drink and drive. Like that has to be stopped. You have to stop drinking and driving at all costs. Always. Yes. Always, always, always. But. I don't trust this fool writing this letter. But she, he or she, I don't, we don't know the gender of the person writing in, but um, my, what I want to ask this person is, okay, so you don't want to talk to her and you don't want to talk to her superiors. So what's going on? It seems like the only people you've talked about this with are the other people in your small group. Mm -hmm. Now, so what does that mean? You don't feel the need to talk to anybody. Even her, but you're vaguely concerned about her safety and the safety of others. You just said you don't want to talk to yeah. her because you're uncomfortable, right? I, if if you if this if you genuinely believe that this person is drinking on the regs to become intoxicated and then operate a motor vehicle, 
if you are not trying to stop this, then you're a goddamn monster, and fuck you. Yeah. Um, I think even if you if you've learned of this, like something needs to be said. Definitely. You can't just like even if it's a rumor, even if you find out that it's not true. This person's just ups- worried about getting someone mad at them. Yeah, and that's that just should not be a concern. Like, either because yeah. either this is fucking bullshit, and like this is you just want to you you don't like this person because she drinks wine at your lunch at your work lunch. Um, which fuck off. You're just I I I just I just get the vibe that this is somebody that just doesn't approve of drinking, and this person drinks a glass of wine at lunch regularly and everyone else is just all pruded out about it. Yeah. I think what happened is, uh, the concern over the lunch wine, Mm -hmm. delicious lunch wine. (laughs) I shall have a lunch wine. Uh, the concern over that has clearly spilled over into talk of, well, I feel like, do you trust the person that you learned this from? Exactly. I mean, do you even trust the person because if you claim that you don't think that the lunch wine was that big of a deal, then you must really take the opinion of this person seriously. Then why is this in the letter? This then why is this in the letter? What part? The, the lunch wine. Why is it even in the letter? I, I... Well, they think it's a setup into what they think has like increased. Like they're saying it's it's gotten worse. Is what they think. If you've seen, if someone has seen her drinking, if someone. Like, literally says to you, I saw her. I literally saw her drinking from a flask or, like, but if she was drinking from a thermos. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, what are you Like, what do you think? There's vodka in her thermos? Like, you need to, like, be able to really know that. Yeah, I'm like, there is absolutely, I mean, what what is she, is she got a, a bottle of red wine under her desk? What's happening? How are you knowing this information? Like, you, and if she's part of your group that you go to lunch with, then, and if you don't want to talk to the bosses, then you just need, if this person you claim to be some sort of friend, maybe an old work friend and not much more, but you need to just sit that person down and go, hey, is everything okay? Like, and that's an uncomfortable situation, and you don't need to, like, name names, but just be like, hey, I, I think that this might be happening. Yeah. Is that happening? And if they say no, or if they get, like, really... Like if they if they get really agitated very quickly, you might be able to like read into that. But you've already stated that you're not interested in talking to her bosses. It's weird that you don't seem to truly care about safety right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you or do you not? Yeah. Because if you do, you gotta talk. You, you grow up and shut up. You fuck. Yes. Like you're being a fucking weirdo. Definitely. Well, I'm concerned, but I suppose I'm not that concerned. I, well, you're not gonna get fired. I. Yeah. I, like, come on. Mm-mm. Like, do you work at a company that's, like, gonna just boot her out on her ass? Do you know that to be true? Or will they try to, like, maybe help this person? I mean... Maybe they will. And and again, I'm like, I just... I The whole thing is very questionable to me. Because, like, I'm just not buying this. She drink... She's... I, drinking at uh, work, like, that... I, mm, if somebody is, like, that far gone to alcohol... Surreptitiously. Then I just feel like... You're gonna know, and everyone's gonna know pretty swiftly. There's there's not a lot mm-hmm. of cloaking it out when you when you have to drink at work. Mm-hmm. It'll come to light. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you get to sit on your hands. Like I feel like it's 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 like yes, that's pr- if that tr- if that's a real problem, it's gonna come to light. 
but in the process of it coming to light, she could do what you fear she's going to do, which is hurt someone Absolutely. or herself. Absolutely. I just, I, I just. So be brave. I, like try yeah. and like figure this out. If you, if you really think it's going on, yes, you have to report it because you cannot have a fucking drunk driver on the road and you haven't done anything to stop that. You can't do that. Um, but. But if Alice or Kenny, the office crank is telling you this. Yeah. And you only sort of like dishing with him and bitch, like being bitchy with him or her. Maybe consider that. Exactly. I don't know. Because these work lunches and these work relationships and stuff, I don't know, you, you can say that there's a certain amount of familiarity and, and comfortability there, but come on. Like, really consider how close you are with these people and try to be a little objective and stop worrying. Stop being such a fucking wuss. Yeah. Uh, there's another thing in here about uh, what do I owe? <laughs> what, what do what do people owe each other? And it's like, wow, you're really uh, undercutting your ability to uh, help anyone. <laughs> what does one owe anyone, really? Wow, you're a real heartless asshole. <laughs> um, so here's another one, Brad. Um, I am an American living abroad and working as a consultant for a U.S. government-funded project. I am not a full-time government employee, but technically my fees come from U.S. taxpayer money. I was recently invited to the wedding of a local acquaintance, a citizen of the country where I live, who is marrying another citizen of that country, someone who has U.S. citizenship. Do you understand that? Sure. Okay. Uh, I was unable to attend the ceremony. Uh, okay, so she was invited, but she couldn't attend. Uh, I was unable to attend the ceremony, but ran into the bride a month later at a social event. When I congratulated her, she explained to me that the recent marriage was a fraud, one she'd entered into only in order to gain U.S. citizenship. She then introduced me to her, quote, real boyfriend. The interaction left me feeling very unsettled. Do I have an ethical obligation to speak out about marriage fraud when it is used to gain U.S. citizenship, particularly if my current work is funded by the U.S. government? No, you Shut idiots. up. First of all, shut up. <laughs> first of all, if anyone um, outside of the U.S. would like to marry me so I can get citizenship to get the fuck out of here, please, please let me know. But Brad, that would be a marriage fraud. Um, I, there's, a, there's a ring waiting. Um, there's a ring waiting? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, can get a, I can go to Walmart and buy a cheap ass ring. Sure. <laughs> It's waiting in a store somewhere. I'll go I'll get, get it. it. I will snatch one up. Just let me out of this country. Um, first of all, if I don't, if you marry somebody to become a U.S. citizen, um, it's still going to cost you a ton of money to become a U.S. citizen. It's not cheap. And uh, guess what? Under the current administration, that's still going to be a hell of a lot of work, and probably more so. Yep. So yep, 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 yep. good luck. It's still going to take forever and be nearly impossible. And it's not going to be worth it either, because fuck this country. And, and what what do you care? This government-funded project. Ooh, I'm not a full-time government employee, but my fees come from U.S. taxpayer. I don't care what you do. Shut the fuck up. Like you're like yeah like your money like what the money soaked in blood now because you've heard about this marriage fraud oh how can I accept my paycheck knowing that this woman has married a man under false pretenses Boy. <laughs> shut up also everyone's dumb in this because here's something don't tell people that your marriage is a sham yeah that's weird. <laughs> 
you're still in the country that you want to not be in. You want to go to America, right? Maybe don't walk around telling everybody, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. This is my real boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's my friend. Uh-uh, she ain't your friend because she's thinking about tattling. <laughs> Oi. You've got a fucking tattler right next to you and you don't even fucking know it. Stop introducing your real boyfriend. So dumb. <laughs> also, you had like a huge ceremony? Yeah. It's... Like you had a full wedding that you invited people to? That's I weird. Mean, I guess that makes Did it... Did you lie to everybody? I guess that makes it easier to like pass it off. I guess. Still weird. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of money just on top of that. Yeah, you're spending a lot of money to come to a not-so-great country. Yeah, is your American husband, like, what's going on? He got money? Like, what country, are you, you, got what money? country are you escaping from? Because, I mean, maybe you want to rethink the numbers on that. Also, is the real boyfriend a U.S. citizen? What's going on? Are you going to leave the country, like, with him? I don't get it. It, it, do, do all three people need to be U.S. citizen, or are you just fucking this well, dude? Well, I, <laughs> like, I think the idea is she becomes a citizen, um, they stay together long enough for her to become a citizen, she gets a divorce, um, and then maybe she goes and gets the boyfriend and marries him? I, it's a long con. I wow. What a, that's a very long oh, and expensive it's, it's con. It's a hell of a game of leapfrog. I don't think she realizes oh. how long it takes to become a U.S. citizen. Hope you love that boyfriend. Yeah. Also, stop telling people that your marriage is a sham. <laughs> like, I don't care, but you're talking to tattlers and you don't even know yeah. it. <laughs> Everyone thinks... <laughs> when, we, when we go full totalitarian and we, full, we go full community theater production of 1984, <laughs> I hope people aren't this stupid. Well, I told, I, told my, I told my uncle. He wouldn't tell. He's my uncle. Oh, he'll tell, all right. Just so everybody knows, we're recording this on February 20th, so by the time this podcast goes out, uh, we may be living in that uh, um, production of 1984. Just Con- Consider every episode that comes out where it hasn't happened a gift. Yeah. Because once, once you've listened to the latest episode, you have to start worrying again. Definitely. Because <laughs> it might happen again. It might happen uh, again and again and again. Uh, I have a couple more here. Um, there's one that's very long to the point where I don't know if I'm going to do that one. It's, it's needlessly uh, narrative in its explanations. It's like a little fucking playlet. Um, and so instead, I'm going to I'll do these last two. Um, I was a uh, oh boy, this one's rough. I was a member of a Christian congregation for many years. That's your first mistake. That's your first fucking mistake. A married father of two children started helping a widow in the parish. Mm. Mm. Evidently, they later started seeing each other. His wife thought something was up, and she asked people in the congregation whom she considered friends if they knew anything. Everyone denied knowing anything. Mm. The father ended up divorcing his wife and marrying the widow. The wife subsequently found out that some of the people she had asked about the situation had lied to her face, even as she was breaking down in front of them. She says that for a long time she was suicidal, not because her husband had cheated on her, but because she had been abandoned by everyone in the parish, which must have meant that God had abandoned her too. Well, what are the criteria for determining what to say to a betrayed spouse when you know a spouse is cheating, and when he or she asks directly what you know. Tell them the truth. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. What would have been the ethical culpability of those who lied to her face if she had killed herself? (laughs) Now that's a question, isn't it? Whoa. 
Whoa! I, really? I love this asshole writing this letter because this isn't a, this person didn't write a letter to ask a question. This person wrote a letter to like talk shit about all sides. All. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is my favorite writer because they're just assholes. Oh boy. Well, this person is like trying to like again trying to stand apart from the fray. Uh, like, what is this person saying? Like, well, I knew that other people knew, but like. Did I know? Well, that's not really a question that the writer answers, is it? She didn't ask Did me. The writer I would have told her straight to her face. But she never asked uh-huh. me. But she didn't because she knows that I'm an asshole. So let me get this straight. This person comes to you. You're part of her congregation. She trusts you on some level. And she says to your face, if you know something, please tell me. And, you, and she's sobbing. She's breaking down in front of you. And you look at her and go... I don't know anything. Um, no, I'm sure. I'm sure he's not cheating on you. No. No. I don't know Timmy, anything. Timmy wouldn't cheat on you. He's a great guy. His name's His name's Timmy. Oh. Why would Why would a man named Timmy do that? You're just that? crazy. You're just crazy. That's why do your you eyes are. keep moving around? Why do your eyes keep moving around? Look at me. I just no. He would never cheat You're on not- you. You're not matching eyes with me. No, what, Timmy? I, he couldn't. Are you nuts? Are you a nutty old broad? What are you talking about? Look, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. <laughs> I just love this this giant gaslighting church. It's like, I, I really, are you sure he's not flirting? Because everyone everybody keeps knew. saying that they don't think he is, but I think something's going on, but everyone says it's fine. I guess I'm the crazy one. Also, this all began because he was helping a widow? Mm-hmm. What does helping mean? What did helping mean before it meant fucking? Oh, Susan, uh, you ever need a oh, man Susan. to come over and uh, change your light bulbs or... Uh, Thank you, Timmy. Get something off the <laughs> top shelf. Uh, call me. Thank you, Timmy. <laughs> oh, he gave me his... Yeah, that's, he gave me his cell phone number. He gave me his work email. His work phone. He gave me a lot of numbers. Gave me a Snapchat? It was weird. Yeah... I'm a widow. Should I have Snapchat? <laughs> Is this wrong what I'm doing? Also, the widow. My God, woman. You're a terrible person. <laughs> You're in that congregation. You saw that woman every week. And every week, you looked right at her from across the goddamn church, and you didn't even blink. And you married him. Yeah. You married him. <laughs> I, I Look, I, it doesn't... I, I agree with that, eh? But also, everyone in this church is fucked. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, yeah, all these people in this church are assholes. Everyone's a fucking asshole. This is the first uniformed church of assholes. Also, were, was this woman running around talking to all of these people in the church? Would, did she say something to her husband? Ever? That's... I have to assume that at some point she said something Julie, to her husband. Julie, you're crazy. I just love the idea of everyone. One just making her think <laughs> You're she's crazy. Insane. I just love this. Julie, go kill yourself. I love the idea of like a thousand people involved in a giant gaslighting scheme where this poor woman is losing her goddamn mind. Well, let's answer the two questions. So, should they have said something? Yes. Yes. If she had killed herself, how culpable would everyone in that church have been? My answer 100%. <laughs> I. I mean, you can't hold people responsible for someone else's decision to kill themselves, but they would be assholes, so... Oh, yes. I mean, look, we can't quantify it, 
and you take on as much as you want to take on in terms of the guilt, but you should feel guilt. Yeah. <laughs> if that person kills themselves. Like, because she specifically stated, it's because you pee, like, I wanted to kill myself because of you people. Yeah. And if she had written that in a note, and we still, if, if in both scenarios we had that information, I would want to kill myself. <laughs> But then again, if you if I went to church, goodness, and you came up to me and said, "Hey, is do you think or do you know if Timmy is do you know?" I'd be like, "Yeah." Yeah. He is. Just be honest. Why can't people just be honest? Like because people don't want to get people they don't want anyone to get mad at them. It's great having people mad at you. It's one of my favorite things. It can't be fun. So much fun. Just, also, you've already realized that church is not what you thought it was. So stop pretending like you know nothing. You know nothing. Like, you know that this this room is filled with humans who make, hor- like, fucked up decisions and fuck each other over. So be honest about it. Or do you just want to keep pre- playing church? You want to you, yeah, yeah, keep on, playing yeah. church. That's what they do. I put money in a basket and I listen to the nice sermon. <sighs> and I, I pretend that everyone here is inherently good, but I don't have to go home with them, and that's the point. P.S. Uh, uh, yes, my kids can't, uh, we can't afford uh, psychiatric counseling for my kids that believe in Slenderman, because we keep putting money in that uh, church basket. Just just saying. Just saying. Well, nobody at that church is going to raise money for you either. Oh no, they're going to call, with, they're gonna with, call with death threats and say that you and your children are monsters because of what... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you believe in Satan, and that's why your children believe in Satan. Like, people will make whatever leaps they need to make. And then the, the priest that you really liked or thought you liked will do a six-minute subtweet in the form of a sermon where he won't reference you and your children, but he will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he will. Or or he'll try and, like, plea for you. Like, he'll try to, like, plead for your case, and it won't work. Because the people he's talking to will nod, but they're not really listening to him. They don't really take what he says to heart. Unless it's easy. <laughs> he's asking me to... He's asking me to consider the whole story. Mm. I don't like this young priest. That's what I always like when people say. I liked our old priest. The old guy. This young guy. Mm. I've heard things like that in my life. <laughs> he's young, so, you know... What do you mean? He's young, so I don't know. He tries to be funny, okay? <laughs> and I just don't—I don't know. I liked our old priest. Well, he died, so he died. <laughs> Probably molested someone. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut up. I don't like my—I I like my stand-up separate from my church. Okay. God forbid we make church in any way, in any way, accessible. <laughs> yeah. One last question for you. Uh, my wife and I have been married for more than 30 years. That's your first mistake. Uh, we have always had political differences. She leans right while I lean left. But that has never prevented us from amicably discussing politics. However, all this changed during the recent uh, presidential campaign, and particularly after the election of Donald Trump. She has become an ardent, nearly fanatical Trump supporter. Divorce. Reacting to any criticism. Divorce. Reacting to any criticism of him, no matter how benign, with vitriol. She now says she, quotes, hates all liberals, all Democrats, and particularly Barack Obama. I am weary and frightened of her diatribes and no longer bring up any Trump-related topic. Divorce. But she, divorce, but she frequently does. 
Is it ethical for me to remain silent when she goes off on whining liberals and sore, excuse me, sore losers, occasionally nodding when that might be interpreted as assent? Oh, First of fuck all. off, you fucking pathetic little bitch. Like, ugh. Yeah, your wife, your wife's a nightmare. Uh, you, you probably had warning signs long before the presidential campaign, right? Definitely, definitely. Like, you tolerated it, but now you're claiming she's turned into something. Well, she was that something. She was always a goddamn monster. I, I, why are you, I, I don't understand, in this day and age, when the political extremes could not be, <laughs> not even the extremes, the political opposites could not be more extreme, how somebody is in a relationship with different political ideologies than them. Well, and when the, when one of the people swings so far, the, to swing so far that you can't have a conversation, and yet that person is constantly throwing it in your face and making you feel miserable for what you believe and what you think should be happening in the country. Oh, how, what? She's throwing it in your face and making you feel miserable. I just want to know, what the fuck do they talk about? Nothing. Like, I, it's, it's a 30-year marriage. Oh, and 30 years, how have you never discussed ideas to the point where she is a, like either she is aware of your political differences and she just doesn't give a fuck about your thoughts well, and ideas well he he claims that it's always worked out to where like they they did understand that she was conservative and he was more liberal i don't understand how that works but they were actually well i don't either but they were able to have conversations about it it sounds like they didn't turn into arguments like, you could have maybe, like, maybe it was more of a, we like talking about these things, and we like having, like, a spirited debate. But then, at a certain point, I, I just don't understand how he thinks she's turned into this all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean... She seems unhappy. Yeah. I, if she really did make this big of a shift, she's very unhappy with her life. And you, I think. Yeah, so his question is, is it okay for me to pretend to That's, to play along? That's not the question he should be asking. No, the That's question a is stupid question. The question is how quick? How do I get out of this marriage? How quickly can I get a divorce? Where yeah. am I going I to mean, live? Where is she going to live? Divorce is what I would say. Who gets the dog? If, if you who gets the dog? Rough, rough. Who snatches the dog yes. after the decision of who gets the dog is made? Mm. Um, if it's not you, <laughs> maybe you should snatch that dog. Snatch that dog. Bark and borrow, friends. Bark, bark and borrow. What is that? Um, <laughs> guys, uh, just to uh, take a little side trip for a second here. Um, oh, boy. I was on my vacation week uh, this last week, and I made a terrible discovery. <laughs> oh, no. Because, um, and I stumbled onto this, and how I stumbled upon it was Googling, is there a way I can borrow a dog? <laughs> um, oh, no. <laughs> um, and I found a very dangerous answer, um, and it's an app called Bark and Borrow. Do not. I, Whatever this is, do not do listen, it. Listen, I opened this up and I was like, oh, this is fucking dangerous. Because basically, it's like, it's just like photos of dogs and it's like how far away they are, the name of the dog. And basically, it's for, it's kind of like a pet sitting slash you're just a person that wants to borrow a dog. And like, I'm just looking oh at my God. Of cute dogs and I'm looking at Riley, who's a mile away right now. And I'm like, Riley, I'm coming for you. I'm coming. <sighs> Spike, I'm coming for you. Lolly, you're up, you're less than a mile away. This app is, I've opened it three times now. Once when I originally got it, 
wants to show it to uh, Tammy and Dan and Josie, and then wants right now to discuss it on the podcast because this is going to get me in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Please clarify. Is the mission statement twofold, or is it advertised exclusively as a, this is meant to connect people who need dog sitters? I, it's... It, let me let me pull up their actual website. Okay. Because um, I need to know if there's any part of their mission I, statement that's like, or this is just for fun. It's insane. Okay. Bark and Borrow, the letter N, Borrow.com, a community for dogs and people who love them. Connecting dog lovers within your local community. Owners? Okay. So right from the bat. Okay. Find loving borrowers to care for your pooch whenever needed. Find puppy play dates for your dog's exercise and socialization. Link up with other dog owners. Borrower. Find hundreds of adorable dogs in your neighborhood. Hang out with a dog whenever you need a puppy fix. Meet other like-minded no. puppy lovers. This is dangerous. This is... This is... This is like... This is gonna put me in jail. Well, never mind about... Never mind about pet safety. Let's talk about, like, your safety as a person using this app. Like, sure. oh, I want to borrow your dog. Oh, okay. And then that person doesn't tell you that the dog bites if you do something in particular. Or... Like, this is just a fucking lawsuit waiting to oh, happen. Oh, it's, it's, it's nothing but danger, but the real danger is for me. Um, <laughs> like, I'm just like, I, I, cute dogs and how far away they are. Like, that's what this app it's is. Called, it's called, it's called Barkin' Brad. It's like, oh, fuck. Like. This is not a good idea for this, an app. This is a very dumb oh, idea for But there's for so many cute dogs, like, within a one mile radius of me. Brad, you listen to me. You just look at Instagram like you already do and pretend that those dogs are nearby. You're not going to go snatch a dog. August. August is one year old and he's three miles away. August is not a bad name for a dog. Uh, did I, uh, I, I meant to say this. Uh, this past Sunday, I, I went through a extreme Ramjack binge of a lot of different things that are related to Ramjack. Nice. Uh, and so I like I, I caught up on Riverdale. I watched all four episodes. And I watched um, I watched an episode of a TV show that we, we chose to not cover ultimately. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and I watched uh, Punky Brewster. But about, out of all of that, in the same day, I watched Unleashed, a dog dancing story. Ooh. And I had so many thoughts, most of which I put on Facebook, mm-hmm. but fuck Ray. Yeah. Fuck Ray three ways to Sunday. How dare you make those poor senior citizen women work that hard for one performance? It's crazy. And his condescending Canadian bullshit accent. Come on, ladies. Come on. Get in the character. Come on. Why are you not in the character? Fuck off. Oh. You've never performed in your life. You've never performed in a fucking play. Shut up. He kept saying character. I'm like, what characters? No one has a character. You know, the, the, the characters of the, the, the dog gods, people fighting from the sky gods, and the I, yeah. whatever the uh-huh. fuck are you talking about? Yeah. We are of the earthbound people. Also, if I was a kite flyer and you told me that I was playing like an evil kite flyer who lived in hell, I'd be like, wait, 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 wait. Why Why are the kite people arbitrarily <laughs> cave-dwelling troll demons? Well, you know, and then he had to have a school teacher write the script, because he can't write a script. I, it's a dance piece. It's uh, it's so strange. That documentary $25, is the books. <laughs> Do you think, I, I guess between renting that enormous theater, which is an enormous theater... 
And those costumes and the makeup and the sets, oh, yeah. which admittedly do look do look pretty good. Yes. The, I'd say the sets look a lot less great than the costumes and makeup. I think I think they put a lot of work into the sets, but they kind of come off a little bit yeah. Crayola paint by number at the same time. No offense, they put so much work into it, and I applaud them. It makes theater, I've had this thought many times recently, but it makes theater and wanting to be in or direct or create anything. It just, it makes you realize how much work is involved, mm-hmm. even if it's a simple project. Absolutely. A small, I mean, you know, Brad, oh, yeah. you've you've done your best to sort of shepherd and facilitate what are other, like what are on the page, very easily executed scripts. Oh yeah. And people make it complicated. Oh yeah. <laughs> People, if you start listening right from the beginning of the podcast, you'll hear many stories like that. I, I as much as I miss um, some aspects, there are so many aspects that I do not miss. Dealing with the egos, I mean, you see it in Ray. Like it's like this unearned sense of just like I know what this is. I know what this is. It's like you know nothing. You know nothing. Mm. People who are considered geniuses can create pieces of fucking theater that are fucking dreadful. Oh yeah, because it 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 is it there is no hard line of like what anything should be. <laughs> but in his mind, he, and the whole movie, he's like, well, it's not really what I imagined. Well, fuck off. What'd you imagine? An epic tale. <laughs> it's it's so strange. He goes from four fight kite flyers to two. It's so pathetic. Two kites in the air does not look nearly as dynamic as four. I'll tell you that much right now. Well, they only had a year to put the show together, John. <laughs> well, and it's six months, they keep saying. We have so little time. You have six months. Six months. Like, they couldn't find anyone to fly kites in six months because I understand training, That's ridiculous. training dogs to do stage choreography to music. Oh, yeah. Very, very time consuming. I get that that probably takes a while. Kites? But I guess, did all those kite people, including his own son, live in the area, or did he sort of like fly them in? I, that was a little. That's a little hazy in my I mind. I assume that they had to have been local, but then they got on that whatever show they were on. America's Got America's Talent. Got talent now. Yeah, but I was like, wait, how long? How far out was that that they had to cancel on him? Because I, I mean, from the documentary, it seems like they canceled pretty early on, and he just never replaced them. Pretty early. And you're telling me that they don't know other kite flyers? Are you kidding me? All of those people know all of the kite flyers. I, listen, I'm sure to fly a kite isn't... It, you, if you're good enough to go on America's Got Talent, I guess you have skills. But I feel like over the course of a couple also, of months, someone could learn to fly a kite. Oh, give me a break. I mean, even the people who, one of those people that leaves the show, they go and do that, America's Got Talent, but I saw what they were doing. It's not that dynamic. It's flying a kite. It's flying a kite, and you're not doing it particularly fast. Yeah. You're not weaving it in and out of other kites in a, like, crazy display of timing. You're just sort of moving it. (laughs) It's very relaxed. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, can you imagine them? Oh, I could never do such. Th- yes, you could. If you did it for a week, you could do it. <laughs> not even, not even a full afternoon. <laughs> I think a full afternoon. <laughs> if you gave that thing to me and said, "All right, this is the choreography," I'd be like, "All right, give me a week." <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a year. Give me a year. I changed my mind. <laughs> but Brad, I, I thank you for acting as the ethicist. I know we haven't. We've kind of gone away from that for a second, but please feel free to take off your ethicist hat. All right. Thup. 
the one I chose not to read, by the way, that was very long, uh, kind of boiled down to uh, a woman who has a boyfriend from uh, Saudi Arabia, and she went to a wedding that was involving her family, and an aunt came up to her and the boyfriend, and she pointed at the boyfriend and said, we're watching you. Ugh. And they chose in the moment to sort of laugh it off as, oh, she's protective of me. But then the dad called her the next day and said, no, 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 no. I told them at a dinner that you were dating someone from Saudi Arabia and they immediately had a meltdown and they think that you're being like scammed and that he's going to like take advantage of you. And I tried my hardest to tell them like, shut up at the wedding. Don't say anything to him. And they did it anyway. And now she doesn't want to like spend any time with this aunt and uncle and the dad is flipped on her by saying well don't get me in trouble they're gonna blame me oh, fuck off. and she's like well fuck you like what am i supposed to i don't want to fucking cut spend time ties with, these with your people. family whenever cut there's an opportunity cut ties with your family people pick and choose i mean pick and choose it'll, trust me trust me it feels so freeing it feels so good and you're not missing anything and your dad can take the heat yeah he can take the heat, and he doesn't have to spend. T- I know it's his sister, but stop using that as a as an excuse to deal with. Uh, it's the same thing with the wife, who's a Trump supporter. Just because she's your wife, that's the label that you've chosen to worship. But you don't have to. It doesn't mean anything. Just walk away. So glad to know that you've caught up on Riverdale, because episode four um, has nothing but questions for me. Oh boy. Now, when you say questions, do you mean questions about this tantalizing mystery at the heart of the show? Or questions about how, once again, we see no hamburgers? Um, well, first and foremost, questions about hamburgers. Because I I watched the whole episode, and I, I was like, maybe we saw a hamburger, but I'll go back to it. So I went back, and I frame by frame, I looked at a scene. <laughs> um, there are There's about two seconds where we see Jughead cupping his hand as though he might be holding a hamburger, and he is eating, (laughs) but we do not see a hamburger still. I don't understand the show's seeming, on our part, hesitation to just sort of embrace the idea that Jughead might be like a foodie. Like, why can't he just, like, love food? And that's the the doorway. It's not hard. It's not hard to make it relevant, to make it modern. Well, no, and I think it works fine, and I think they mention, they've... They've said the word hamburgers so many times in the script, it's insane. No show has more mentions of hamburgers than Riverdale. I just think it's the whole thing of, you know, I think it's just the hassle of filming. Like, uh, we have to have a bunch of hamburgers for shooting, or we have to, you know, we have to make food look different for film. So it's a hassle to show actual food. Well, and yeah, they never really touch it. Like, when there are shakes, everyone's sort of vaguely sipping. Right. But they don't. They're, they're never really going for it, clearly. I get that it's and, complex, but come on. Right. Show that hamburger. Show me a hamburger. Or have a line about, like, Chuckhead, what's wrong? Ugh, I ate too many hamburgers last night. <laughs> Whenever I get depressed, you know me. I always eat hamburgers. Well, Just, that's a line. But they do that, though. They've done that a bit. The only line I can think of is the one that you guys mentioned, and then I saw it in the show, which is, uh, we can talk about it over many, many hamburgers. Right. Many, many burgers or something like that. That's the only actual example I, I can That's the think only of. line of Jughead, but they have, they've mentioned hamburgers quite a bit. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> Pops is just the, like, funniest in terms of production design. The, the whole diner is just insane. 
it comes off like you're entering some sort of nightclub for really fucked up gay men. Like the neon, and it's so dark all the time. But Pops, and everybody who works at Pops, like the women wear like the classic yellow waitress outfit, but then the guys are dressed like Pops. They're all wearing like little white paper hats. And full, like aprons. There's like one moment where a guy goes, "Enjoy your food, everybody." And it's like, "Why are you talking like that? Is that the theme here?" Nice. Nothing. Very, very strange. Um. So this episode, um, we it's a, Jughead's trying to save the drive-in movie theater. Yeah, it's it's called the Last Picture Show, and I think we should I think we should more accurately describe these as chapters because that is how they refer to chapters. Sure. <laughs> Chapter four, the last picture show. Um, and so he's trying to save it. It's not working out. Uh, uh, we find out uh, secret espionage. Uh, uh, Veronica's mother is like facilitating and buying it for uh, her husband. It's a it's a huge scheme. They've been running down the value of the property um, via the Viper Gang or whatever. The the serpents. serpents. I think they're the serpents. Yes. Which, the first time someone used the phrase uh, serpents or whatever, I, it's it's um, Jason's sister. What is her name? Cheryl. Cheryl. Like, Cheryl said it, and because Cheryl is like a pop, re- like pop culture reference machine, and she's constantly making references like a Gatling gun, I thought that was just a reference to something that I wasn't familiar with, but then other people started saying serpents, and I was like, wait a minute, this is a real gang I- in Riverdale. A real gang let run by this 40-year-old dude. <laughs> like And they're vaguely like neo-Nazi-ish kind of. It's like a biker gang. It's like what I mean, I know this is this is all from Archie that's coming out of, you know, forever ago. And I'm I'm guessing I guess there probably is some sort of serpent gang at some point in Archie comics. Oh man. There's gotta be. There's no way they just pulled this out of their ass because it's too fucking weird. Yeah, I, I bet you're right. There's There's got to be something they're pulling from. At the same time, it does seem very strange to insert this into the show. The fact that there is a very, like, people consider the gang to be actively dangerous, yeah. right? Like, they sell drugs, they're violent. And that really undercuts the idea that Riverdale was a very nice town. Yeah. It's not a nice town that was made bad by a murder. It's a town where a gang actively well, they, is operating yeah. openly at a drive-thru. Yeah, they do say that they, they're on from the other side of town, so I guess there's a bad side oh. of Riverdale. Um, they do say that? Oh, yeah. oh, goodness. Like, And that's, again, that's why I think this has to come from something in the comic somewhere, because it's just such a weird, outdated idea of this, this gang of toughs. Man. If you go over Riverdale and into Woodsdale, <laughs> Woodsdale is the true town that will fuck you up. Um, and so Jughead's doing everything he can to try to save this because this is like his place. He loves the the drive and he works there. It's his thing. Um, yeah, he's very he's very emotional about yeah. it, and you don't really understand why until the very end. Yeah, and in the end, we find out he's been living at the drive-through, and mm-hmm. you think, wow. That's pretty crazy. That's a crazy way to end this episode. So then he goes outside and he's packed up. He's packed up his little bindle and he's he's like enormous in his enormous bindle. Yeah, I just I just like the idea of Jughead packing up his things and putting them on a stick. Um, well, there you go. And uh, he he like goes out and he tags the place. Jughead Jones was here, and then he goes out there 
and there's that old man leader of the gang. And he's like, so, uh, where are you gonna go now? I'll figure it out, Dad. Yeah, what the what? hell? What is going on with Jughead's dad, who's like the 40-year-old um, leader of a gang? And I say 40-year-old well, very generously. Well, he's like a... I think we're supposed to think of him as like a sexy silver fox. Like, all of the adults on this show are supposed to be sexy as fuck. Except if you're like Principal Weatherby, I guess. <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to look at Weatherby and go, Oh my yeah. God, Weatherby. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, what's going on? So... I guess Jughead doesn't want to live with his dad, and he's essentially homeless, but he lives at the drive-thru, and that's where the gang hangs out. So, is he or is he not directly, like, associating with his father? I, I don't understand. And the fact that, why is his father willing to take a payout to destroy his son's home? Yeah, well, let's, I want to lay that out a little bit more. So, yeah, the mayor and Veronica's mother are working together with the gang. The gang has been selling drugs and making the drive through a nightmare property for the city, like lowering the value of the property so that a deal can be made. Veronica's uh, dad, as you said, he wants the property, and he's doing all of this from jail, using Veronica's mother as like a middleman. But we don't really know why he wants the property so badly. I have to assume that's going to well, be they, a they, big reveal. They mentioned that they're they're going to develop it um, for some sort of uh, for some sort of business that he he's, he owns the land, and he's going to mm-hmm. and now they've uh, lowered the value and got the city to sell it. So now they'll make giant profits off of the off of the uh, land in the okay. Maybe we're mainly supposed to care about the fact that this is just the dad doing this from jail, as opposed to I guess it's not going to be a bigger reveal what it's going to turn into. Yeah, that. I don't. I, okay. I think the, I think the scandal of it all was the um, a making a deal with the mayor because the mayor shouldn't mm-hmm. be involved in private uh, land deals like that, um, and also the the um, lowering the value. That 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 was a, uh, that kind of bummed me out that the mayor was on the take for whatever reason because I thought the mayor was going to be like a good character yeah. that, like, maybe would be someone you could root for. So it bummed me out when it turns out she's actually, like, really fucking greedy. And does Veronica's mother just give her the giant bag of money? That's what I was like. I was like, why don't you just hold on to that bag of money? I mean, I understand, like, in the long run, um, you're going to make more money off this deal, but you're working as a waitress. Why don't you just keep the money and say, sorry, husband, um, you should have yeah, left me off. more money um, because I'm not going to... I'm not going to long-term plan this money into a scheme. Well, she does say her husband has a very long reach, so you don't know, like, what he could do to make her life a living hell, I guess. That's true, that's true, I guess. So, yeah, like, but my question is, is that the best way to process this dirty money? To just have it show up in a bag, and then you don't do anything with the money? You just give the bag over? Like, at some point, this money has to be processed somehow. Well, no, because it's not dirty money. Like, it's just scandal money like there's there's nothing corrupt about the money like it's not it's not like you can trace it from anything well i guess the point is is he supposed to be making any deals at all and well, clearly no well no but it's not the money that would be traceable like there's mm-hmm. there's no way to trace the money to first of all there's no way to trace the money to the mayor second of all there's no way to trace the money from veronica's mother towards any of this like he already owns the yeah. land well I, no i think I think the money being handed off to the mayor was supposed to like secure it. Oh, you're right. I think yeah, I think it was to secure it. But that's that means the the deal was probably set up in a blind trust. I think that was just to facilitate the 
um, the sale of the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yes. But that, that, I, by yeah. giving her the money, that's like, all right, this is done. But the problem is she's getting strong-armed by... Now, my question is, is the guy from the gang who's intimidating Veronica's mother, is that Jughead's dad? I believe so. Okay. I couldn't quite tell because we see Jughead's dad in the bright light of yeah. day. And then the scenes where she's getting intimidated by a serpent gang member are much darker at night. I didn't go back, so it was kind I didn't of hard go back to, to double check it. Um, but I was like, uh, how many like old dudes? There's no way they cast mm. two old dudes to uh, no. be heavies in this gang. I'm... I just didn't think I needed to pay attention to who this guy was because I didn't know Jughead's father was going to end up being the head of the fucking gang. Because that's man, what a stupid. silly thing. Yeah, it's stupid. Like the gang itself is stupid and silly. Um, the fact that okay, so what was I just about to say? Uh, okay, so now we've got two sisters that I need to see because we have Betty's sister Polly clearly who we have yet to see. She's in her group home somewhere. This whole show is so Gossip Girl, and I know you've, you've never seen that, I right? It's, this, this show is very Gossip Girl in a lot of ways in its first season because Gossip Girl begins with a sibling. First of all, it begins with a character returning to town, and everyone's like, oh, the return of this character. And there's a sibling that's off somewhere, and no one knows what happened to the sibling, but they're in an institution, and there's a scandal there. But Jughead and Betty's... Uh, respective narrator roles mm -hmm. that's very gossip girl yeah to sort of like give you the lesson at the beginning and the end of each episode so they absolutely know what they're cribbing from oh yeah uh, it's much more gossip girl than twin peaks than i expected um but then we got polly who i want to see and i'm sure we will at some point but where's jelly bean yeah I, because we get a reference to jelly bean i i think i think we're gonna get a um i think something's gonna happen i think there's gonna be I think that's going to be part of whole why Jughead's not living with a family. I think there was another tragedy that we don't know about. Or she's in the gang, and oh. she's like, I'm fully in this gang. And Jughead's like, I am not. You can go fuck off. But, like, how old is she? She's got to be, like, if she's younger than Jughead. She's got to be, like, 12, 13? Yeah, I mean, it could just be a matter of, like, I side with dad. Maybe she's being tried as an adult somewhere. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. She prayed to her serpent king. And fucking killed her first victim. She, she was trying to she was trying to make a deal with Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh man, if they do find a way to work that in, the creator did the creator of the show say something like, "Well, she could be a witch and not have real powers." I'm like, no, 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 no. I, this I I'm I'm loving this fucking show and I hope it lasts the, forever. <laughs> like the sword the sword that you want to fall on is I want Jughead to eat a hamburger and I understand that, but that's not the sword I choose to fall on. The sword I choose to fall on is what the fuck was I just talking about? <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh yeah, my, my sword is if you introduce Sabrina the Teenage Witch, she must have powers. <laughs> yes, I agree. If you would, don't do this Smallville bullshit where you're trying to have it both ways and you're a little embarrassed by yeah. it. You've already made the weirdest show in the world. Definitely. Um, I was upset that for the first time in an episode of Riverdale, um, a problem wasn't solved via Josie and the Pussycats. Yes, a couple of things were broken in terms of streaks. So yeah, uh, Josie and the Pussycats, they were in the episode? Were they at all? No. Oh, okay, interesting. So they weren't... I, having watched all four, I kind of need you to tell me like what happened just in mm -hmm. this episode versus <laughs> what's just happening all the time. <laughs> so a couple things didn't happen yet. Josie and the Pussycats, not involved. Also, if you watch all four of those episodes, every episode except episode four has a very clear moment where they're just like, and Archie takes off his shirt. <laughs> 
Like, the first three episodes, I was hot under the collar the whole time because I was like, hey, show, first of all, I have a real problem with this show because you are making young men and young women so sexualized. These are 16-year-old characters. <laughs> That's insane. Also, the amount of time you're, you're spending eroticizing what is essentially pedophilia uh. is just nuts. Like, th- that's always crazy to me that in culture, like, we still have this culture. Like, Riverdale is in 2017, and we have this story where it's like, isn't it kind of hot that, like, this sexy teacher is fucking this, like, kid? And it's like, um... <laughs> I guess if you were a teenager, you'd think it's hot. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a grown-ass man. <laughs> it's very upsetting. Also... Why is Miss Grundy in that first moment where she sees Archie at the construction site, why is she wearing cat eye glasses? But then the rest of the time that we see her, she is not nearly as sexually confident. She's very mousy in the rest of those episodes. Yeah. But in that first moment, she's wearing like very colorful, very bright. Like we're supposed to think of her as like a cougar, like we like what people refer to her as. But the rest of the time, I'm like, I don't really get why Archie's so taken by this, because she's not very dynamic, and she's not very confident. Um, so I don't really, I don't know what the sexual magnetism is here. I don't know. I mean, I, I just think it's the fetishizing a teacher um, that's super mm. foxy. Come on. Come on. When they mouse her up, though, I don't think she's nearly as, I hate to just play the game of, <laughs> do I think this woman right. is attractive? But uh, I just think it's weird when they try to make her so drab. It's very strange. Maybe she's trying to underplay it because of her secret identity. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, there's there's nothing but scandals going on there because I like I feel like there's more secrets to that. Do we find that out in this yes, episode? This is the episode where the whole Miss Grundy um, story comes to a head, and we find out she's not actually Miss Grundy, which is why her name is so dumb. <laughs> which also, they show a photo of the real Miss Grundy, and they found an actress. It looks exactly like the comic book character. Oh, really? I didn't even really think oh, about yeah. that. That's like, funny. It's dead on. Like, it's shocking. Well, <laughs> they they look at... they So that, yeah, Betty and Veronica break into her car because Betty becomes obsessed with the idea that Miss Grundy is not who she says she is. And they find a gun and an alternate ID in a locked box in the car. And... They they look at the they look at the license with the name that they've never seen before, and their reaction to that name is, "That's a name," and I'm like, "Well, Miss Grundy is not a name, <laughs> Geraldine Grundy or whatever her first yeah. name is." It's insane to me that people walk around this show going, "Hey, Archie, it's not a name. Hey, Jughead, not a name. <laughs> Moose is barely a nickname that I'll accept in 2017. Moose is barely acceptable to me." Uh, calling a girl hey. named Veronica Ronnie is also not acceptable. Or when they say Archiekins. Like, I get that it's part of the fucking original yeah. canon, but saying Archiekins is insane. <laughs> this world, this this Riverdale world is the craziest fucking world. Hey, Jug. How you doing, Jug? Hey, Juggy. <laughs> um, and, okay, we can talk about Betty's moms for a second. Because oh, Match, Match Betty's and mom, shut is up. insane. Like, she upsets me at every scene she's in because she is so creepy. Yeah, and they're not doing... If they're trying to make this work, it's not working because I think they want to have her be a little bit human. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, she's that character in The Simpsons that's constantly saying, but think of the children. Yeah. 
She's a cartoon for the most part. It, she is, but it it's so extreme that it is stifling. Like I feel mm-hmm. claustrophobic any scene that she's in. It, it's also really weird that Betty's dad is given no dialogue because he's supposed to be henpecked. And I only I can only assume that we're leading up to something with her husband having a moment. Oh yeah. Of like, please, for the love of God, shut up. He has to say that to her at some point. Yeah. Because she treats her daughter like crap. Uh, yeah, or it's going to be a situation where it, there's a sudden divorce and Betty is leaving with Pops. Right. Well, and not Pops of Pops. Uh, correct, correct. <laughs> whoa, um, there's a scandal. Yeah, whoa. Uh, Betty and Pops are eloping. Um, now that's an eroticizing narrative that I can get behind. Never, oh. never, never, never. Pops, please don't have sex with that child. But oh, do, man, but who's but please do show us a hamburger, please. But please show us a hamburger that is also being eaten. <laughs> chomp, 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 chomp. Uh, yeah, Betty's mom is uh, crazy. There's sh- Betty's mom at one point. Look, long story short in this episode is the uh, Grundy Archie affair is fully made aware. Everyone, everyone knows about it, except the town... But there's enough people to where this could potentially be a powder keg. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot that happens in that scene where they all get confronted about this. Because at one point, Geraldine Geraldine Grundy just says, well, I quit. But then they also say, like, Betty threatens her mother and says, if you tell anybody about this affair Archie's having with Miss Grundy, I'll just tell everyone that I snapped and that I made it up. Right? Yeah. And she's like, and you don't want a second daughter falling apart, do you, mummy? And so they basically all agree to sort of let sleeping dogs lie right. if Grundy leaves. Yeah. But if she leaves, that's a weird moment four episodes in for her to not be in the show anymore. Yeah, I, I, that's why I think that's there's got to be more to this story. Because what she tells Archie and that he buys is that she had, like, an abusive husband. Um, that she escaped, that she escaped, yes. And then she... And for yes, for some reason she decided to take on a fake name. Like you don't just take on a fake name. I don't care who you're trying to hide from. You got a teaching job with a fake name. <laughs> um, well, if it's witness, I thought they were going to say it was witness protection. Yeah, I like that makes more sense. Definitely, I think there's definitely more. I think there's going to be more to this. I think Grundy's coming back. Are they're going to find her dead or something? Well, Grundy. I mean, let's keep in mind. I think this is also the episode where Betty is interviewing her for the blue and gold. Yeah. That's a very strange element of the show that they've introduced, and I don't think it really works. I, this idea that Betty is a journalist, yeah. and Jughead wants to be a journalist, too. I'm like, I get that he wants to be a novelist. Well, no, Betty Betty conned him into to joining up. Yeah, but it's not even a real newspaper. It's just the two of them, right? right. Like, they print it somehow. Yeah. But it's just the two of them. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, I love that scene where she convinces Jughead to do it, and she pulls back all of those, like, tarps. And they have, like, Apple twos. Oh, it's, it's pretty great. It's like, how, how long has the blue and gold been dead? <laughs> Since 1991? Uh, oh, but this is the episode where she's interviewing her for the blue and gold, Miss Grundy. And uh, that's when we find out that Jason, uh, dead, dead Jason, mm-hmm. was also doing a special study with Miss Grundy. Fair enough. And that's where my theory kicks in, because my theory is that the killer thought they were killing Archie. I, I could see that. I could see that. They look... I mean, it's very strange that we have this many redheads in one show. It's just too much of a coincidence. Well, the only the only thing about that is, though, is that um, whereas he went missing, he was missing 
and presumed dead, but then he died a week after he went missing. Yeah, the story, yeah, the story being, of course, yeah, we're going to fake a vanishing into the river. We'll let everyone assume you died. But Cheryl just assumed that at a certain point, he would make himself known to her again. And the fact of the matter is, is that he didn't. Uh, uh, also, Spooky's character in the whole show, and he's in a different show, is the autopsy doctor. <laughs> that is, that's a show that doesn't exist. In, that, that's a separate show. Nice. He's like, mm, hello, <laughs> Betsy's mother. Did, Betty's mother. Did you bring small bills? He's <laughs> a fucking. He's a ghoul. Definitely. Oh man, don't you tell me that this town was nice when that guy lives there. <laughs> oh, this fucking town. Like, oh, it's such a nice town. No, it wasn't. You have a gang. I just want to know about Jughead's dad. <laughs> like, I just. I have so many questions about him. Like, why is Jughead's dad in the gang? Let us not forget about the other gang character. Oh, yeah. Or have you... Uh, have you forgotten? Um, that's a great character because, once again, how old are these people supposed to be? When Kevin hooks up, like, hooks up, they make out at the drive-in during Rebel Without a Cause. It's, it's the last movie they show at the, at the drive-thru. When they make out... It's insane. This doesn't make any sense. So at one point, the gang is making a lot of noise and disrupting the screening of this movie, which is very well attended for a drive-thru that has made no money for the last, I don't know how many years. Everybody turns out for this last movie. But the gang is making a big ruckus in the back, and uh, Veronica yells at them, and Kevin turns around to look at them, and he matches eyes with this very attractive child. (laughs) Let's just make clear. It's a man playing a child. and But later on when they're making out, he's like, there's this surprise moment where it's revealed that he's a member of the Serpents. Yeah. And it's like, no, dude, that you knew that he, you saw him with the group. Yeah, very strange. You know he's a gang member. That's weird. So now we're going to get Kevin. I don't think Kevin's going to get much in terms of screen time, but I like the fact that they're at least... I, I love giving him a fella to make out. Yeah, with. I like uh, Kevin's father when we see uh, Sheriff Keller, and uh, he's like, "I like that scene too." He's like, "All right, son, now uh, uh, stay out of the woods. Don't go fuck in the woods." Like, what does he say? Well, yeah, he says uh, he just straight up says, "Don't stop cruising in the woods," yes. because. Like, he knows that he and Moose were out there together, as does everybody. I love it. And he's like, enough. Like, I get it. You want to get laid. <laughs> oh. And he says, also, he also says, I thought you were going to mention the moment where he's like, isn't there like a nice gay kid at your school that you can take to this thing? Like, why, why do you have to go with Veronica? And he's like, yeah, dad, there is a nice gay kid at my school. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the case for many gay kids, where it's like, why aren't, aren't there any other gay kids at your school? No, it's me. <laughs> that was what I was, me. <laughs> I just, I love that Kevin Keller has been so seamlessly built into the Archie universe now. Well, and Kevin's blonde in the comic, right? Um, I'm not sure. I, I feel like he's blonde in the in the things that I've seen. There's an Archie comic. They put out this uh, this graphic novel for the Pulse shooting survivors. Uh, and the families of the of the victims called uh, Love is Love. And it's a compilation of all these different comic characters and different stories. And one of them is an Archie story. And in it, they are at Pops and they're talking to Kyle about how he's just been processing the fact that this pulse shooting thing happened. 
Mm-hmm. It's stark. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, it, you, you think it's crazy when Archie fights the Predator. Mm-hmm. How about Kyle trying to face the fact that uh, uh, all of these people have been killed? Hi. Also, you guys need to watch an episode of the new Archies. <laughs> I vaguely remember that when it was on. It's basically the Muppet Babies yeah. for Archie. I like I I I I have a weird like vague memory of like watching an episode or two of that. Well, I mean, I, you should also track down uh, the original cartoon from the '70s, which I think is just called the Archie Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you know what you're going to see in both those cartoons? A lot of hamburgers, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. And I just love how in the new Archies, they go to Pop's Video Cafe. Yes! That was them doing what Riverdale is doing now. (laughs) Yeah. They had Video Cafe, and we have uh, uh, Sticky Syrup, (laughs) or whatever the fuck. That plot is stupid. That was really dumb. It's so, it's... (laughs) Man, you guys didn't give enough discredit to the fact that the whole thing with Betty is just dumb. Her putting on the wig, her saying Jason's name. It's like, okay, you need to figure out what's going on with Betty. Like, either she's crazy or she's not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Also, wasn't there, like, evidence in the autopsy that there was almost, like, a hint at um, preservation of the body? Um... Not that I remember. I don't remember. There are a lot of details that the gloomy mortician is like, oh, beyond the bullet hole, you might want to take a look at this. I was really just and waiting for scenes that might or might not have had hamburgers. I don't know if I was necessarily <laughs> paying attention at all times when the mortician was, about, was talking. I was, about, I was about to say, Brad, how do you know this much about the show if all you're worried about is the hamburgers? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just really looking at hamburger scenes, really. I think Jughead is a very good... I think he's very funny. I I like that they finally explain at the end. I was like, good. I'm glad that they explained why he cares about this movie theater so much because he was being very obnoxious. Yeah, I was like, this is a strange thing for him to be all in about. But I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, and I like the fact that, like, okay, make him a cinephile. Like, make him a movie guy, too, because we are all multitudes. But the fact that he was so angry about it, I was like, well, I don't know if this is justified yet. Like, you have to set him up as a movie guy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm really loving the also, show. Also, Ar- Archie really, like in every iteration of Archie, Archie is the dumbest character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Archie is the Charlie Brown of his group. Um, he's, what is going on with Archie? Not much. <laughs> he wants to write music? Good for you. Cool. And people are like, wow, these songs are great, Archie. I'm like, we haven't heard much. Show me a full song. <laughs> when the when Josie and the Pussycats sing your song, it's good. What if you sang the song, Archie? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Betty, just get with someone else. Don't get with her. I mean, I know Archie is stacked <laughs> from pouring all that concrete. Oh, yeah, he poured that concrete. <laughs> uh, mm. Riverdale, what will happen in Chapter 5? We'll find Who out. Knows? Will there be hamburgers? Guys, I promise as soon as there's a hamburger, um, I will let everyone know. Take a screen grab. I always. Do you watch it through the CW site? No, not usually. Um, that's a, it's a very, it's, for the most part, it's a very decent player. You just have to watch the same commercials every time they go to commercial. And sometimes the, they play the same ad six times. I, I think you might, you might be better off if you used um, just the app. Um, because the CW, like the app, CW app. Yeah, the CW app is one of the rare apps where, like, you can actually watch all of their shows um, but you don't have to like do all that um, input your cable provider. You can just straight up watch their shows. Uh, okay, so they've actually caught up with yeah. what people want. Yeah. 
Is this branded content for the CW app? Hmm. You know, I'm getting a little hungry. I'm thinking that, uh, what's that thing that everyone... Fu- oh, Blue Apron. <laughs> hey, uh... I'm kind of feeling hungry. And, uh, once you've... I, you know what? I just ate this Blue uh, Apron meal, and I'm so full, I'm gonna go lay down on my bed of this new mattress that I got out of a box. Is it a Casper mattress, or is it that other mattress oh, everyone uh, talks about? Oh, fuck it. Like, alright, we get it. You can order mattresses on the internet now. I get it. <laughs> We, uh, we Hate Movies started doing that, and I, I appreciate the fact that they put game show music under the ads, uh, because then I know when to stop fast-forwarding. I, yeah, I... It's, I Cannot mean, stand podcast ads. I'm fine. It's advertising. It's fine. But you, people need to make money. I'm cool with it. I just... I just, Do it well, I just wish because there were some more of the products. ones that I hear sound terrible. I wish there were more products. <laughs> There's only Blue Apron, um... Lisa and Casper and Audible. <laughs> Those are the- That's yeah. Lisa is the other one. Yeah, Lisa, Casper, Blue Apron, Audible, um, Stamps. Uh, oh, I, I, they, is, anybody, is anybody still doing that one? Yes, I'm pretty sure that I heard Scott Ackerman do a nine minute Stamps.com. <laughs> I think he's still just got backlogged um, twelve minute uh, Stamps.com bits. Well then, I love Paul Shear, but Paul Shear records his podcast ads in a fucking porta potty. They sound terrible. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like he's talking to a cone. It's so I like at least make them sound good. <laughs> yeah, can, like, can we all just like do? Can we all just support things on Patreon? Patreon now and give people money that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, like the shows themselves. Like I'm, I'm doing the uh, We Hate Movies Patreon, and I feel oh, like it's okay. worthwhile. I feel like I should be doing the Oh Yeah Dude uh, Patreon because uh, th- that I owe my life to that show. Seriously. Yeah, I've probably listened I mean, to, for a while, I probably listened to every episode at least 10 times. Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't done that in years, but there was a point where I went through maybe the first 200 four times. Yeah, definitely. It was insane. Definitely. Um, and that show's still going strong. If you're not listening to it, that's your mistake. True so that. Good luck. You're in a marriage for 30 years, your wife's a Trump supporter, that's your mistake. Mm, Very true. (laughs) Very true. Friends, it is that super special time of the week, right after the football game, to check in with our pal, Punky Brewster. Maybe the world is blind Or just a little unkind Don't know hate that part (laughs) I love love everything about this theme song I love it oh man it's the best maybe the world is blind (sighs) so uh, Jonathan um, I discovered um, while pulling this episode up that for some reason about six six to eight episodes in the first season oh man (laughs) were made as 11 minute episodes so that they could be shown after football games without having to come in midway through an episode. I, I understand what you have said to me, but I at the same time really don't. No. Because, okay, so only one would air a week, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that's the part I was trying. I, I kept thinking to myself, but they would air both, right? No, they would just do that little chunk throwaway thing. Right. After a football game wrapped up at a random time. Right. Well, the idea being that, um, you know, if 
they didn't want the show to come in halfway through an episode because kids might not watch it because they they missed half of it. So they make two episodes that are the length of half an episode, and then they can either just show two teenser episodes at once as a thirty-minute show, or just uh-huh. show one of them after the. But then when they're game. released, what you say when they're released on DVD, they are packaged together. Correct. But that's very strange. But even weirder is like I'm um, because um, I'm watching um from the DVD, um, it, like, right there, we finished that first episode, and, uh, at the, at the 11 minutes, uh, 59 second mark, um, we get that, we get the closeout credits for, uh, Lost and Found, and then we get the opening credits starting up for another episode, and then we watched, uh, Punky Gets Her Own Room. There's- so if you watch this on DVD, you'd watch the theme song twice. Correct. Very odd. Well, I guess you're not going to do the work that will be involved in truly making them one. I guess if, you know, with these DVDs, it's like, let's just get it done. Well, I mean, any chance I can get to watch that theme song. Also, new new, uh, new opening for the show. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Jonathan, <laughs> you're going to have one minute to summarize what happened in these um, two 11-minute episodes. I can't. I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, a whole 60 seconds to discuss the plot of two 11-minute television shows. Oh, man. <laughs> and of course, if I go over, I'm a chump. If I get it one minute on the dot exactly, I'm a Braveheart. If I get it between 55 and a minute, I Win, am but... a winner. I'm a winner. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if I get under 55, uh, I've forgotten. You're, you're a chump. No, you're a chump if you, if you go under. Oh, oh, if I go over, I forgot. Yes, if you go over, you forgot. You go <laughs> fair under, enough, fair enough. You go under, you're a, uh, you're a Eugene chump. We, oh boy, I'll talk about Eugene and what I know him from. All uh, right, uh, please oh take a moment, collect your thoughts, think about what happened in these episodes. Um, if oh anything, what montage has happened to fill up that 11 minutes? <laughs> How do you summarize two montages? <laughs> That's what these are. Um, whatever you need to just what people were wearing. Um, these are music videos. <laughs> um, what uh, what things you noticed in that grocery store? Whatever you need to discuss in as much Stop detail it. as possible with the going over already, because and you will be going in three, two, one, go. We begin with the first half, which is known as Lost and Found. So Punky is complaining about how there are no groceries in the apartment, and so she and Henry decide to go to the market, despite the fact that Henry hates the market. Oh, the crowds, the prices. And Punky wants to get all of these fun foods, but they're too expensive for Henry. And then at a certain point, Punky turns around and Henry's no longer there. And as we recall, she was abandoned at a supermarket by her mother, and so she runs around searching desperately for Henry, and eventually she just wanders back to the apartment, Henry finds her there and he's like, look, you can't just run off. And she said, why? She says, why, Henry, you ran off on me. And he's like, look, I will never leave you, okay? Let's just, we're in the show now. Let's just have that be the base, all right? And she's like, cool, thanks. And then in the second half, Punky gets her own room. Uh, Punky wants Henry to turn his study into a bedroom for her. He resists and she goes behind his back. And with Eugene and her little friend's help, they make a horrific mess that and ultimately turns out to be a really nice room for a little girl, and Henry acquiesces, and they, uh, some pain winds up on his big booty bottom. The end. One minute, eight seconds. Let me ask you this, my friend. Have you forgotten? Oh, no. Someone had a lot to say about those two 11-minute television shows. 
You mean, no, 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 those music videos. <laughs> oh man, now, right now I know what's playing. I know what's playing under my voice right now. How those towers fail. <laughs> so you're saying that this opening is new? Yes, they, yeah, they the, changed wait, the opening. Okay, so what was the, is the cartoon the new element? Um, yeah, the, there was, there was, it was a little bit longer, um, Oh. And the the cartoon element was not there at all. Um, we see more. It opens more, and we see uh, Punky actually at that same grocery store uh, after she's being left, and she's trying to um, hustle money by helping people out with their groceries. They, all that's gone. Okay. Um, I guess you don't need that anymore. No. Um, because now, as as you and Alex have said many times, now we're in the show. Right. Um, do you like the cartoon? I yes, I quite enjoy the cartoon because it is goofy and bizarre, and there's a little pup bark. So, so <laughs> yes, uh, right at the end, Brandon goes. Bark. Uh, I thought that the I, I have reservations about the theme song. I like the bulk of it. I don't like the little uh, xylophone <laughs> notes at the beginning. I think that's really creepy. Um, but the cartoon is weird to me because of the way it creeps into the world of the show. Yes. Especially, like, the shot of her touching the doorknob yeah. and, like, her hand becomes a cartoon. I'm like, I, for some reason, that sort of shot of a hand on a doorknob makes me think of a scary moment. Yeah, it's very like, creepy. Like, what's behind the door... Like, there's that, it's slow, so, like, there's a tension that builds there. It's because they're really trying to play with the music, because they're trying to build Mm -hmm. that, uh, um, a girl came into my world and turned my world around, and then we're, like, turning into cartoon world, which I'm like, so, this is all the the idea that that Henry's living in the harsh, real world, and then Punky Brewster turns his life into a cartoon? Yes. Uh, I think that's exactly what they're going for. Cartoon Henry, I do not like. (laughs) He's very strange to yes. me. The animation is very uh, kind of chunky and angular. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like. Um, I, I feel like they've done Brandon the dog a huge disservice in his cartoon form. Um, <laughs> Some things get reduced yes. when you when you turn them into cartoons. Some things are brought more to life. One might say, <laughs> but not Brandon. Um, so yeah, oh, that's interesting. I I always assumed that the cartoon was there from the get go. No. Um, I will say that I, I, I very quickly after watching these two music videos, I uh, clicked over to a season four episode, and at that point, the cartoon is no longer there. Yeah, because I, I know the that theme song is not changed. The one we watched um, for that for the Halloween episode that we watched a million years ago, it I it did not have this cartoon. Was that season four? Uh, possibly. It's astonishing how much older she looks, but at the same time, she still seems incredibly young. Yeah. Because I, I almost wonder, like, is Punky supposed to be a, a teenager in that last season? Or is she, like, 11? Yeah, I think she's, like, 11. Actually, um, I and I'm, I I haven't looked into this, but I want to say I remember hearing something that, like, one of the reasons the show ended up getting canceled, um, it still had good ratings, but I, I, I think the problem was that, um, the producers thought her breasts were developing too much, and so oh, God. they canceled the show because they thought it was weird. Well, it's a show that is so predicated on her being so young. Yeah. And, like, the the logo is so childlike. And the theme song is, too. Like, that's what was so weird about watching the opening for season four. I was like, well, it looks like she's almost borderline old enough to, like, go on a date at this point. And the logo and the theme song now seem inappropriate. Like, there was, like, a, you could tell that maybe they were right. Like, eventually that show is going to age out of its own premise. Yeah. 
I, I thought that they were gonna update the theme song like they did with Charles in Charge. Like give it more of like a, I don't know, pop rock thing as she got older, I don't know. But the fact that it's still very, very little girl, it doesn't work. It's weird. Well, I mean, how do you how do you update a classic like the Punky Rooster theme song, one of the greatest theme <laughs> songs ever written? I don't know. I mean, before we go into this, I'd like to talk about how, uh, I don't know if we said this on the podcast, but at one point I wanted to watch uh, for an Alfio a show called The Charmings, but we didn't wind up doing it because I watched it and it was so boring and there was nothing to talk about. Uh, we were originally for this episode going to talk about an episode of Madam's Place. Yeah. Uh, Madam's Place is a very strange sitcom about a puppet named Madam who apparently was a very large cultural figure. Uh, she was like on Hollywood Squares. She was the center square for a long time. This weird puppet. And the sitcom is one part multi-camera sitcom where she's living in her home with her niece. And then the other half is her doing a fake talk show. Right. And the the bulk of the show is the fake talk show. So there's almost no real story. Um, and it's not even that bad of a show. It just wasn't that interesting. I will say this, though. If you want to hear a really good theme song, Madam's Place has a good fucking theme song. I'll check that out. It's, it's catchy as fuck. Because like, the lyrics are like... Uh, Cause it's Madam's place. She's a primetime queen. She struts her stuff on the TV screen. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the, what, my other favorite lyric is, when a young man looks at Madam, she throws herself right at him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. She's con- Madam is constantly talking about how she loves to fuck. <laughs> Amazing. Really weird. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about lost and found slash Bucky gets her out grab. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we kick off and uh, Punky's having breakfast, but oh, there's no more raisin flakes. There's no more milk. Why is she surprised by this? Why are she... these empty containers just in the kitchen? Why is she sat down at the table and why is she just now turning them over and realizing, oh, there's nothing here? Mm. <laughs> it's not <laughs> not the most logical of gags. Uh, <laughs> like, couldn't she like open the fridge and take out an empty carton and be like, this carton's fucking empty. Hey, wait, this box is empty. Just kind of makes Punky seem weird. <laughs> like she's play acting. <laughs> like, yeah. I. So, uh, so we're gonna have to go to the grocery store. Um, <laughs> we're gonna bat. Well, there's no way we won't burn through this first one. I, 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 I immediately like we're going to that same grocery store that um, is originally in the opening credits, and I'm like, I think it's a little too soon to be going taking that kid back to that grocery store. Well, I freaked out, too, and I, th- I assumed that it was the same supermarket, too, but later, Punky acts like it's not. Because I... she says, remember, my mom abandoned me at a supermarket. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean, a supermarket? Isn't this the same one? I mean, I... It's just... It's... I... I, I was... It was a little weird. Um, I do love the fact that the, she tries to take Rand and the dog to the grocery store. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, also, you can tell it's been uh, a little bit since they filmed uh, that three-part pilot because that puppy is much larger now. Those pups grow up fast. Um, they get quite big. Still super cute. Loving that dog. I would snatch it uh, up while they were in that grocery store. Did you think Brandon was going to be the one that was lost? I, I was scared. I was scared for a moment. <laughs> I, I did think he was going to see a cat or something, and the and the jump rope would get loose. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, this is an episode where Punky's afraid that she's lost her dog yeah, or something. Definitely. Uh, but that is not what happened. Um, I have never in my life, I was born in 1985. I'm sure these were around. I've never seen a turnstile at the supermarket. That's very strange. Oh, I've definitely seen that. Definitely seen those. So what's the, is that is that a security measure? <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know what that's about, but I, I definitely seen it in some places. Uh, there's a gag where Henry can't rest loose a shopping cart, and then when he does, the wheel doesn't work because it has a giant wad of gross ass gum on it. Ugh. Um, a lot of gags. Like oh, this yeah. is just like just a lot of gags. It's really like okay, we got eleven <laughs> minutes. How many gags can we have in a supermarket? Well, you have dialogue that's the same joke four times, first of all, which is just Henry complaining about how everything's new when he wants it to be old, and it's expensive, but he wants it to be cheap. Um, There's a joke that Full House would steal where Punky puts things in a cart and Henry just puts them back. Yeah. Classic grocery gag. (laughs) Definitely. I, um, one of my favorite things is uh, when they're looking at the cereal, and it, and like now we would just have a bunch of fake cereal boxes. What they've opted to do is either put the boxes <laughs> upside down or just turn them around. Oh, is that what they did? Yeah, because it won. Um, I think I think you can see on the side. I think it's a uh, Cocoa Krispies, but there's a there's a straight up uh, He-Man advertisement on the back that I'm like, I don't. What oh. are these um, He-Man cereal toys? And how can I get my hands on them? This is insane. You're absolutely right. They've just turned them around. Yeah. The only ones we That's see ridiculous. are the uh, sugar beasties. <laughs> Man, I do love it. I love it when TV shows make up nonsense. Just oh. foods that donate. Full House does it all the time. The fact that Taj Maher at one point is like, hey, anybody want a snickle? It's like a snickle. Nobody wants a snickle. The thing that bothers me about that is, like, I can't tell which candy it's supposed to be. No, and I don't think you're supposed to, and that's why we're all scared. I'm like, is it a Snickers? Is it a is it a Skittle? What is it? It sounds like too many things. There's a lot of oh, there's a cho- uh, chocolate boing boing in Full House too. I'm like a chocolate boing boing. <laughs> Here, have a boing boing. In uh, Punky, during this section, in the grocery store, a lot of goofy sound effects for Henry, and I don't find them funny. No. I get that it's for very little kids. I give it a pass. But whenever they cut to Henry and he just boggles, he goes goggle-eyed and the music's like, and it's like, no. I I think uh, one of the, I think a real great old man moment um, is when two people walk by with purple hair. Oh, do they both have dyed hair or is it just the guy with blue hair? She has purple hair. He has blue hair. Oh, People, there's a Golden Girls joke about that too, about people dyeing their hair. That must have been the new like, oh yeah, what tattoo? But pre piercings, yeah, when you could just make an easy joke about piercings, definitely because it's punk. Oh, these punks, these fuck. Oh, these these. What are these wrong with these monsters? That blue hair guy looks so not punk. <laughs> uh, these look. These are the two most normal looking people I've ever seen in my life. They're both They're just in wearing jeans store. and t-shirts. They're in the grocery store, Henry. They can't be that punk. They're pushing a cart. <laughs> like, if if they had, like, a... If if they were carrying, like, a little handbag or something, they're putting their groceries in, okay. But if you're pushing a cart, there's no way you can look like a badass. Uh, uh, one of those jokes, I think, where... Uh, I think Henry's talking about the good old days, and it's, it's the reference you made at the top of the episode, where he just goes, oh, I remember when... <laughs> what is it, the fruit man? <laughs> Ah, I, I would never buy produce. He says produce. Oh, God. I would never buy produce here, Punky. And when I was young, the man the, the man with the fruit cart would come around and he would sing, Strawberries, blueberries. And then a woman comes over the intercom and she's like, Please, no singing in the aisles. 
I, such a goofy gag. Such a goofy gag. But also, what was this time period when a fruit vendor came and sang about fruit? That that time makes me think of The Godfather Part Two when they when they flash back to the early 1900s. <laughs> yes, when like fucking newsies would have been running around. That's I mean maybe pre newsies. Yeah, I was gonna say this, fucking... this sounds like the old country because I don't feel like this is this ever happened in America. Henry's probably just lying his ass off. Like <laughs> Henry would like everyone to think he's a million years older than he actually is. Right. Uh, other gags include. Uh, at one point, Henry can't get a plastic bag for oh, a cantaloupe. That's fucking awful. That's the worst one, I think. That that oh yeah, because Punky just appears with a paper bag. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah. First of all, you wouldn't put a giant cantaloupe in a plastic bag, right? right? Yeah, that's that is strange. Would, wouldn't you just put that in the cart? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, you don't need a plastic bag for that, Henry. There's, I think the gag where Punky is spraying the produce with the water hose is pretty bad. Oh, yeah. That's... Because... I, she, the only thing about classic that... Classic gag. <laughs> the only thing about that is that just made me slightly nostalgic for the days of having somebody actually spray the uh, the produce. Um, the produce. Because I had an uncle that, like, like that was his, like... His thing, he always said, like, he wanted, when he got old and retired, he wanted to be the guy that just sprays the produce. And then, oh. of course, we all just realized we could just make sprinklers that did that. And I was like, fuck yeah. you, uncle. <laughs> well, and that's the walking past the sprinklers when they're activated, that's an oddly, I can't explain it, but it's an oddly comforting thing for me. Yeah. I, I don't know that. why. It's like you kind of get like a little bit of a mist. It's going. a little bit of a mist. It's like cool. It's like ah, that that feels chilly, but it's it's not annoying. It's just kind of oh, that's that's a surprise. It's also that yeah. really relaxing white noise. Oh, I love white noise. Oh, it's good. It's good. And you, and you, and it does it does the job of making you think this is fresh. Yeah. <laughs> this is clean. There could be a bug underneath. <laughs> True. But it's, on top, you get a nice you get a nice uh, smell of like uh, fresh produce. Pratus. <laughs> um, there's a moment where Punky bashes into Henry with a shopping cart. Oh, yeah. Um, Punky, like, don't do that to your Henry. Seriously. That's your Henry. Uh, well, I, you know, the rest of this is just a Jacob's Ladder, and Henry's died. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the ball gag. Oh, that made me anxious. Yeah, I don't understand what this is. This insanely, unnecessarily tall tower of balls in a cage. Yeah. I haven't seen something like that in a long time. Yeah, I definitely remember just it, a, Oh, yeah, but like a tower of like just plastic balls for general playtime. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really see that anymore. Yeah. Uh, but of course, Punky takes one, Henry tosses it back, and as a result, all of the balls fall out. And Punky, Henry leaves her just playing with the balls. Yeah, I, this whole episode, before we actually get to the moment, I'm like, please don't leave Punky alone in this grocery store. Don't leave, like, don't leave Punky alone. I just keep thinking about, like, uh, and, like, it plays out, but I'm like, which I was kind of surprised <laughs> that they actually called back to that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Th- there's the gag. Oh, I don't really remember this at all. Why is he talking to the butcher? He's talking to, like, a guy in a white paper hat yeah. like he's from Pops. The butcher comes out like a real creep and is like, Hey, Henry, uh, <laughs> you want? I, listen, I'm about to start uh, carving up some steaks. You want to come back and get a real nice cut? Oh, that's where he goes. I was not paying attention. Yeah, he goes back to get a good cut of steak straight from the butcher. 
in a real you're an creep idiot. manner. Again, just order over the deli. Or just like say, hey, Punky, come here. We're going to go and get a piece of steak. Like, just don't leave this child alone. It was abandoned in a grocery store, you asshole. Well, in this moment, Henry doesn't even know where Punky is. That's true. Because she's not standing next to him. Right. I think this is the moment where she's trying to like scam little free pizza samples from this woman who works at the market. Yeah. A woman who is so stupid that she actually believes that Punky has a twin. Yeah. She does believe that because later she tells Henry, oh, the only little girls I saw were a set of twins. Also, Are you out of your mind? Uh, <laughs> also, just give the kid two samples and like stop like hassling her. Like, it's a kid. You're wearing a red apron out of a nightmare. Yeah. Just don't worry about it. You're, you're that pe- there's more of, pizza where that comes from. You're getting samples of party pizza brand pizza. Oh, God. I mean, I'll dig into a frozen pizza, but am I going to try party pizza, party pizza? No, I don't think so. Oh. Party pizza, party pizza. <laughs> so as soon as um, Punky finishes eating her party pizza, party pizza, um, she goes to find Henry. And Henry, of course, has gone into the um, back into the uh, the butcher's um, clandestine room. Um, so she can't find him. And she has a little freak out trying to find him. And this is supposed to be, like, where the heart of it is. Yeah. Because, well, I actually thought she was going to get a lot more upset than she does. Yeah. Like, you could tell she's upset, but she doesn't, like, start uh, crying or, like, yelling or anything. She's just very determined. Right. It's, it, I like, I, yeah, it's, it's, I, the emotion I feel more is, is, uh, I feel it more than is pre- actually in the episode. Um, because mm-hmm. it is very distressing. Um, and so she's running around yelling for him. She runs up to the front to the intercom and tries to, um, call him. Yeah, she says, Henry, if you can hear me, throw some food into the air. But she doesn't see anything. And then, oddly, when she hops oh, down boy. from the checkout lane, the old Angela Lansbury lookalike... I don't get what this take is, because she just sort of tosses an apple into the air like, Oh, I can't even... It is such a weird... First of all, everyone, all these extras in this little bit, there's an old man right at the register that is just doing his best to uh, not look at Punky or the camera. <laughs> and he's just trying to look away. Well, he knows what's going to happen with the apple because I just saw a moment where she throws the apple, the old lady, and he follows it with his eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. It's insane. Oh, it's, it, but that apple I was going to say that... Ooh. That apple throw. Oh, boy. That Angela Lansbury lookalike. Um... The people I was going to say standing at that checkout line look very real to me. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, this looks exactly like the people you would run into in a grocery store in the 80s. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like any of them are actors at all. This is clearly a real grocery store. I mean, otherwise, we wouldn't have had to turn those cereal boxes around. Yep. So. Man, that manager of that grocery store must have been so proud. That big supermarket B.I.G. Oh, yeah. Bath tissue, 69 cents for four rolls. <laughs> oh, man, Zeus. I wonder if they're still doing it. What was it, that avocado deal? Oh, God, I was like, eight avocados for like $1.39. <laughs> 60 avocados for two. It's like, fuck. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, and then eventually, Punky just sort of gives up, and she just goes, come on, Brandon, looks like we've been abandoned again. Oh. But she goes back to Henry's apartment. She, she goes back to pack. Yeah, does she have a key? She must have a key to the apartment. Yeah, well, she's a latchkey kid, straight up. Mm-hmm. Does she wear it around her neck? Uh, mm. Like, straight up 80s latchkey kid. Love it. Bucky has a baby doll. That's surprising. 
Yeah. I, you don't think of Punky as being like necessarily a baby doll kid. She's not a tomboy necessarily, but I don't. I just don't see her playing with a doll. Yeah. Eh. Agreed. Why would you play with a doll when you have a puppy? Seriously, and such a cute, super cute puppy. Yeah. And this is just all the falling action because. Like, Henry, who, every time I look at Henry, I'm like, Jesus, you're a lot older than I thought you were. He looks so old. He's so haggard. His really hair is, is the same color as his skin. <laughs> when your hair is the same color as your skin, that's very strange. I, I can't believe um, that George Gaines, like, lived until 2016. Well, how old was he here? I don't know if you did that math um, on the podcast, but... He was 99 uh, in 2016, oh my God. so... When you, said, when you said his birth year, oh, man. Yeah. He was, like, 1917, you said... Oh, manzies. That's insane. Um, but yeah, this is the falling action of, Punky, why did you run away? And Punky's like, well, I thought you abandoned me, just like my mom did. And he's like, Punky, let's make a deal. I won't abandon you, okay? <laughs> Do you remember the first three episodes when I fought tooth and nail for you, Punky? <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, those three episodes. Right, 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 right. <laughs> 67. He's 67. That's so old. <laughs> It's a really old age. <laughs> yeah. But that's basically lost and found. I don't think there's really anything else there taking it out of my YouTube history. <laughs> so YouTube will stop recommending Punky Brewster videos. <laughs> Never. Punky Brewster forever. P-U-N-K-Y-P-R-E-W-S-T-E-R. <laughs> uh, so uh, on my copy, um, immediately a theme song starts playing. And... Uh, I just love the fact that, okay, we get these two 11-minute television shows, both of which have a one-minute-plus theme song. Oh, yeah, so that immediately cuts it down to, like, maybe 10 minutes and 20 seconds. It's pretty bonkers. (laughs) Brandon looks so weird in this beginning part. (laughs) There's a moment where, so we start with, what's our friend's name? Uh, Cherry. Cherry, that's what I thought it was. So Punky and Cherry are, like... Just rocking out, dancing to the record player. And they cut to Brandon. <laughs> and Brandon almost seems to do a take of, what the flying fuck am I even? <laughs> yes. He seems that. to regard these human dances as mere folly. <laughs> <laughs> a dog does not dance unless he is trained to by a loving master. <laughs> Love this dog. It's like when you tame a stallion. <laughs> I, I, I just, okay, I just realized in that scene where they're dancing, we get to see there's a bit of a hallway back there. This apartment is gigantic. I didn't realize there was a whole hallway back there that leads to these other rooms, I guess. Yeah, and he's a photographer. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really say much, even in the 80s. Like, that's... If he runs his own business and it's popular, fine. And also, we're pre-digital, so people need his services, presumably. Right. Um, If you're still doing family portraits and going to a photographer in this day and age, you're out of your mind. Um... I, I, that's my opinion. Yeah. It's my opinion. Well, he's also he's also um, the business ma- or the uh, um, apartment manager of this complex. So, oh right. Or as uh, uh, as Alex would say, the cherry's mom is a maid. <laughs> that's what you said, Alex. You said specifically. I cannot believe they cast this black woman as a maid. <laughs> She's not a maid. She lives in the building. Um, cherry is in the fourth season opener too, so they keep this actress throughout all, throughout the entire show, oh, yeah. which I think is I was. A commend a show when they can just keep the actors. I, 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 don't don't recast if you don't have to. I, I'm I'm almost positive. I think Cherry is the uh, the girl that famously uh, gets uh, trapped in the refrigerator. Oh, interesting. I think at a certain point she just has a whole crew of kids around her. Yeah, I know Braceface is one. Um, Miles. Yes. 
his 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 God-given name. <laughs> his earthbound name is is Braceface. <laughs> <laughs> But in Heavenly Father's Kingdom, he is known as Miles. <laughs> I like to think that it's the same kid from Belvedere. Why not? Sure. He moved to the pit. He moved to the pit. He 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 grew up with Wesley a little bit and became a bad kid to a certain extent. Opened up a nuclear reactor in a in a suburban home. Um. So they're dancing, and Pucky's like, "Hey, want to help me fold a blanket?" <laughs> it's like fold your own blanket. Come on. <laughs> also, Punky, you need a haircut. <laughs> Yeah, Punky's hair is way too long. It's, it's out of control. I mean, she still got she still got that orphan kid hair. Uh, and, and Cherry's like, I don't know really how this comes up, but she's like, you need you need your own room. And Punky's like, yeah, it's not really fun sleeping on a couch, which you think Henry would have thought of already. Uh, yeah, it is like, I, I, again, this episode is titled uh, uh, "Punky Gets Her Own Room." Um, I just spoiler al- alert. <laughs> I just always assumed like, I mean, I. I haven't seen a lot of Punky Brewster, obviously, um, but I would just assume this is a small apartment. Um, you know, she doesn't have a room at first. I I was assuming this episode, based on title alone, maybe um, Henry gives up his bedroom and he starts sleeping on the couch. I didn't nope. realize this asshole has a, has a fucking study. <laughs> a giant study. It is magnificent. I would love to have a study like that someday of my own. But also, if I had a child, I would probably make sure it had a bedroom first. Yes. I mean, she's not crashing at your place. Um, she's Alex, not an old college roommate. Alex, I know you're not on the podcast today, but um, I would hope. Um, I know I'm super glad you have a podcast room in your new house, um, but I hope your children both have bedrooms. <laughs> don't make them share a bedroom if they don't have to. What if that's why Alex can't uh, record tonight is because he realized <laughs> he needed to convert his podcast room into a room for the baby. Oh, I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> oh, I, I'm like, Henry, I forgot that babies need beds. <laughs> and rooms within within which the beds sit. Oh, by the way, I didn't. I, I guess I should announce Alex has decided to name his daughter Punky, which I just think is real great. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. Fuck it. <laughs> Emily would kill him. <laughs> of course, of course. If, she, if he went behind her back and wrote on the birth certificate, Punky Green. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Punky green. Punky. 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 There's nothing funnier to me than Alex doing the impression of Henry calling out to Punky in that first episode. Punky! <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's a raging thunderstorm on an ocean. Punky! <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, so yeah, Cherry is like, uh, you need to convince that old ass white man to give you his study. And Punky goes into this room. It's a crazy room. Is he listening to classical music? Because Henry does not come off as a classical music yeah, guy. Yeah, he's straight up listening to some Vivaldi. That doesn't make any sense. Mr. Belvedere listens to Vivaldi. Yeah. Henry would listen to, like... I, I, I could buy if you made him into, like, a jazz guy. Uh-huh. I could see that. Or, like, I don't know, just, like, folk music or something. But, like, not classical. It doesn't make any sense. He dresses like a slob. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. He dresses like he... Like, runs just an apartment building and doesn't also do photography. Like, it's hard enough for me to buy him as a photographer. Um, but, yeah, so she basically says... There's a very funny Soleil Moonfry reading where she just looks at Henry and she goes, Want to give me your room? <laughs> just, like, very dry, like, I'm going to slip it in real quick. 
maybe if I trick this old ass man, he won't have time to think about it. <laughs> and I, I love it's it's like it has not even occurred to him that this child needs her own bedroom. No, Henry's an asshole. <laughs> he's such a jerk, and I love it. Um, and- when he's like, "Well, punky," I mean, it takes time to change a room. You wouldn't Weeks. want to rush into this, so we need to think about this. Months, years, punky. <laughs> If I could trick this stupid kid, and she's thinking, if I can trick this stupid old man. <laughs> he also gets mad that Brandon comes into the room every now and I'm like, oh, calm down. You have a dog. Deal with it. Like You have a dog now. Yeah, you have the cutest like little gold retriever. Like Let him go wherever he wants. Especially if that He's not place pissing is, everywhere. It's not a big deal. Especially if he wants to go into my heart, because that's where he belongs. <laughs> oh, you're going to get your muddy paw prints all over my heart. <laughs> bark and borrow. Well, and he's also... Nope. <laughs> um, and so he also talks about the expense because he, he I think he says something about how long it's going to take and how expensive it will be. Yeah. And I thought Cherry had left. She hasn't. Nope. <laughs> She's still in the apartment. Just lurking because around. She, Henry leaves to go to work and I'm like, what time is it? Yeah. Like, what time is it that you're going to work and leaving Punky by herself with Cherry? It just seems irresponsible. Um, and Cherry's like, so did that old-ass white man give you the room? And Punky's like, no, but I think I have an idea. Uh, <laughs> Cut to the most terrifying, nausea-inducing, claustrophobia-inducing montage in the world. Uh, you know what? It started this made me upset. It started off as a bad montage, but then fucking Eugene rolls up, and I'm like, god damn, and it just got 30 times worse, because that man has to be stopped. Well, he wasn't in the first segment, and I thought to myself, maybe they've already realized that he doesn't work. Have you already looked up how many episodes he's in? I know, because I don't want to know. You want it to be like, you want to suddenly realize, oh, Eugene's not here anymore. Yeah. He's not necessary. No, he's and he's he's fucking terrible. He's dreadful. He's way too, he doesn't fit in with the aesthetic of the show at all. No. Because the fact of the matter is that that actor can only do that voice. He played Eugene, but what I know him from mainly is I don't think you would have watched Dexter's Laboratory. I think he might have been a little bit too old for that. But I watched Dexter's Laboratory, and he plays Mandark, which is like this villain character in the cartoon, and he does that voice. Right. <laughs> it's just Mandark, and when he talks in Punky, I'm just like, oh hi Mandark. I mean, hi it's, Eugene. It's just it's so it's it's like a really bad Jerry Lewis impersonation. And he's, Man, I guess. Yeah, it's like Jerry Lewis, like, if you double down on it. Yeah, and it's just, the the first scene of him in this montage, his mouth just gapes open so wide, like a cartoon, and I'm like, oh. And there's one yeah. scene where he laughs at something, and then goes back to Cherry laughing at something, and I'm like, this is upsetting. No, no kid would like this guy. No, no. kid would like this guy I, at And all. I'm just like, he, I, I, it just weirds me out that he's all of a sudden in this montage. I'm like, where did this creep come from? Yeah, like, what? Why are they implement? Like, why? Why are the kids asking him to help? That doesn't make any sense. These kids wouldn't think to do that at all. You want to talk about stranger um, danger? Like, I get it. Like, Henry's an old photographer, man. That's creepy on one level. But like, fucking Eugene rolls in, and I'm like, nope. Keep this guy away from children. Well, at least in the montage, he's not talking. I thought we were gonna get an episode where he wouldn't talk, oh. but then later on, he does, and I'm like, oh god, what a mistake. Um, at the most, you want him in a montage, like, not talking. Um, a lot of gags in this. Um, some of them are cute. Some of them really don't work. 
Um, anything with Eugene, he picks up the camera and it flashes in his face. It's not funny. He uses a plunger to pick up a stool. Not funny. He spikes the um, camera three times. Still not funny. Man, not funny, dude. <laughs> You're not fucking funny. Um, and he, uh, the, a gag that I just saw that I like, it's not a gag, it's just like a cute moment, is when Brandon is in the rolled up carpet. Yes. And that. she kisses him. Like, she gives him a kiss on the head and, like, pats his head. I'm like, that's cute. Because it's a dog and you can't say a dog is not cute. You just can't. It's not legal. Science fact. But then, then the newspapers come out. Yeah. And suddenly, Punky is, like, painting all over herself. Yeah, she's painting on her shirt to check the colors. Check the color? It's It's the same color, Punky. It's very strange. And then she pours green into the pink and it's like water, and it's splashing. Yeah, everywhere. there's so much splashing paint. I'm also very upset by how much paint they're getting on Brandon. I don't like that at all. He's soaked with paint. That's fucking ridiculous. Like that's gonna like I know that they're not really getting actual paint on the dog, but I'm just like the idea of like having to like this little poor little guy is gonna have to like wash this out of his fur, and it's gonna like yep. clump, and it's gonna hurt. I'm like, well, if it was real paint, it would have some level of fumes, right? Yeah. It's true. Like, you don't want a dog breathing that shit in. Yeah. Um, at one point, Eugene puts his hands into the paint, and he's already fucking a mess, but he acts like that's terrible. Like, oh no, I put my hands in the paint. And, yeah, uh, so then he does like a Home Alone. It. While sobbing, he's like doing like a weird cry oh, take. God. It's so dumb. And they're painting the wallpaper. Yeah, that's very upsetting. <laughs> This is okay. So I was going to say this a second ago. It's irresponsible because you said this show is clearly meant for very small children. This is not responsible because what parents worry about all the time is that their kids, like a cartoonish caricature of raising a kid, is oh my, my kid drew on the walls. Nobody wants their kids drawing on the walls. What they're saying here is, kids, break out the paint. Yeah. And paint your room because you'll make it look great. And your parents won't mind. They might be mad a little bit, but once they see how cool it looks, they won't mind. Uh, and it's like, that's a really stupid thing to tell kids. Punky Brewster is like a um, a less demonic Pippi Longstockings. Oh, man. Longstockings. Plural. <laughs> um, she Yes, that's very true, because she's very whimsical. Yeah. Oh, my God, she is. She really is just like Pippi Longstocking. Pippi, Punky, Punky, Pippi. <laughs> puppy (laughs) Brandon (laughs) Um, and so it doesn't make any sense and I know it's a little kid show but it's so stupid how the room looks like a fucking disaster but then when it's done it's beautiful yeah like it's gaudy but it looks like a a very professionally done uh, mural is on every inch of her room yeah I don't get what we're supposed to buy here in this moment but uh Apparently, Punky works magic that I don't understand. Straight up Punky power. And she, Punky power, Punky! Uh, she has a bed made out of an old flower cart. Um, wait, what is going on? I don't understand. First of all, wh- uh, were there a lot of old flower carts in Chicago in the 80s? Uh, is this set Chicago? I think so. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And also, is this from Henry's vague childhood? Is this the <laughs> fruit cart? Yes, it's it's uh, from the same part of Chicago. The fruit cart. And the bed doesn't seem like a good bed. 
because yeah, she's like, look, when I want to get out, I just lean forward and the cart tips this way. But when I want to lay down, I lean back and it goes horizontal. I'm like, no, that's not comfortable. And you're going to keep, it's going to keep adjusting all night. Yeah. Like, no. And also, where did Eugene get the flower cart? Yeah. How did you get it into the apartment? Better question. Pieces, I'm sure. But also, no. <laughs> Shut up. And Henry's, of course, goggle-eyed, and I think there might be a sound effect. <laughs> uh, well, there, there's a great, um, I can't wait to see Henry's face cut to Henry's face. <laughs> okay. And he, he hates the colors. Yeah. He just keeps talking about how, he's not talking about how he's how Punky has ruined the value of the apartment. <laughs> what he is talking about is, ah, oh, the colors, I, I don't like the colors. <laughs> He puts on sunglasses. The screen grab on YouTube is an image of him in sunglasses. Amazing. And I thought for whatever reason that in what in this episode that Henry was going to pretend to be a hippie. <laughs> I don't know. Just the colors in the background. I was like, oh, maybe Henry pretends to be a hippie or I'm something. I'm a beatnik, punky. <laughs> That's the least thing he is. Oh, man. Him trying to be a beatnik or a hippie. Wow. Groovy, punky. No. <laughs> oh, boy. No, thank you. And... Punky just says something like, you know, Henry, every inch of this entire apartment is yours, and I just thought I could have something that was mine, but I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> Fuck. Like, <laughs> You're like, wow, Punky, really <laughs> fucking throwing it in me. Ouch. Throw it in my face, Punky. <laughs> um, and then, of course, he's like, all right, you know what? I'm going to say it. I was wrong. You were right. Ugh. But you also, you've destroyed this apartment. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, old man? You have a kid. Um... You should have given Work the kid a fucking bedroom, as opposed to Ugh. making the child, making this this random orphan child that you seized up sleep on a couch. Hey, if that terrible actress <laughs> from the last couple of episodes came in and saw that she was living on a couch, you would lose her again. I'd be able to buy this Pippi Longstocking bullshit if Henry in any way acted like a parent. Also, you can have both, <laughs> right? You can have Henry be selfish, and then Puggy goes behind his back, and she makes this room, and then Henry is. He can say to her, you were right, you deserve your own room, I'm sorry. But also, you should have done this with me. Like, I should have supervised. It doesn't matter that Eugene was here. Eugene appears in a tree. Okay. In a tree. Let's talk about outside this of Punky's fucking, room. fucking creepo pedophile monster. <laughs> oh, it's okay, I landed on my head. You should land on your fucking I, head and have it split open. I, no, well, first of all, when he rolls up, he's apparently been listening to their conversation, and now he, he's in a tree outside their fucking apartment listening in. And he's Sorry, like, Henry, I was supervising. <laughs> I, I, I was the adult. And then Henry's like, no, 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 you actually did a really good job. Okay. No. He didn't. Um, he and didn't. Don't encourage him. But then he falls. I just if if I could just go in and edit his audio out and just that's the end of Eugene. <laughs> that's the, that would be great. If he never that would be back, great. And he just falls to his death. His fucking death, and they leave the body there for the fucking <laughs> raccoons and the rats. Oh, I just want to. I just want to go in, edit out the rest of his audio, and just have them look down, and then no more Eugene. Man. It's so depressing, the idea that, like, that's your character that you found, and that's the only thing people are casting you to do. I mean, he's had a vaguely successful career in voice work, but that's all you know how to do, and it's very limiting. Well, at least he's not turned into a Dustin Diamond. A Dustin Diamond, uh, uh, oh, in what way? Like, a creepy, like, vague porn actor? Well, vague porn actor slash, uh, inmate. 
Oh, what do you mean? Is he in jail? Yeah, he went to jail for stabbing somebody. Okay, did not understand that. Oh, yeah. uh, hmm, maybe that's why he doesn't appear on all of those delightful uh, Jimmy Fallon Saved by the Bell reunions. Yeah, he was busy serving um, a sentence for stabbing someone in a bar. Can you imagine, like, being a part of that? I forget that Ramjack covered all of Saved by the Bell, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the college years. And the fact that, like, you at a certain point just turned to the other people in that show and go, so Dustin's in jail for stabbing someone, huh? Hmm. Maybe we shouldn't have been so shitty to him, but at the same time, he seems like a shitty person just on his own. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of the worst person. Is he? But Eugene. Oh my god. Sorry, Henry. You should be sorry. Don't come into my apartment. Yeah, I left two young children um alone. Why are you in- interacting with them at all? Also, Henry, if you have to go, Punky goes with Cherry to Cherry's mom. Like, Cherry's mom, or is it her grandmother? I, it's, I think it's her grandmother, but, you know, it's the 80s. Like, we're, we're, we're straight up in some uh, latchkey kid times. But yeah, but Cherry has, presumably the grandmother's always there. Uh, well, she's a, she's, she's a nurse. So she works. Oh, really? Good yeah. lord, this is rough. Man, all these kids, they need to... Man. There needs to be an episode where, like, Henry finds a babysitter or something. Like, Henry needs to... If he's going to be working all the time... <laughs> It was the 80s. That's not what we did back then. You're eight years old. You're old enough to stay alone. Man, that's fucked up. That's how, I, fucked that's up, how I lived. Bunky! <laughs> I'm going to leave you alone for three days. Ah, oh, those were the days. Also, is Punky going to school? <laughs> I, I got to assume it's it's got to be summer, right? Mm, hopefully. What are the... Do, do you happen to see what the next two segments are called? I, I'm just interested as to what they might be yeah. about. See, we've 1984, been... very yeah. close to my birth year. I, I was uh, I was less than a year old when these were coming out. <laughs> Goo Gaga. All right, so next up we've got Walk Pool. What? <laughs> walk Pool and a Gone Fishing. Uh, walk Pool? That's terrible. Oh, I'm, I'm reading a little synopsis here. Uh, um, apparently, uh... So the kids will be walking to school, so uh, I guess they're going oh. to school next ep- episode. Interesting. A walk pool? Interesting. I get it now. That's so silly. <clears throat> okay, how was the walk pool today? <laughs> I don't know, you cheap-ass old man. <laughs> Fucking drive your kid to school, dum-dum. Um, there's an episode that you can find in the up next section as you watch Punky Gets Her Own Room that looks so... I swear, this is danger, danger. This is Milo territory, child fucking porn bullshit. Because it's called Punky Brewster's Workout. Oh boy. And it's just three, it's Punky and two other little kids. And they set up like a video camera. And I think the vast majority of the episode is just them exercising. A lot of it. And I just don't think... I just don't know if that's something we needed to do then, and I don't think that's something that we need to have on YouTube now. No, I don't think so. I don't need to know how many chicken hawks are fucking watching that. Jesus Christ. Oh, but it's fine if you have sex with them after they've hit puberty. Thank you, Milo. (laughs) I mean, how far can the right wing go? Like, I mean... Apparently, that's the line. (laughs) Like, that's like, that's a pretty extreme extreme. Pro pedophiles. You can you can terrorize Leslie Jones and be a horrific 
uh, Leslie, is that Leslie? Is Leslie Jones the name of the woman from the new Ghostbusters? I believe so. Yes, uh, and you could be a horrific racist and talk about how I think he's also anti-Semitic. I'm sure he's made oh, anti-Semitic yeah. comments, and he's also very anti-gay himself. It's like ugh, I don't like I don't like conservatives clearly, but the performative conservatives who just oh. walk around saying things just to get the press, and they stand behind free speech as if they're martyrs. But then he also likes to say that most of what he says is a joke. I'm like, you can't be a free speech martyr and then say that half of what you say is a joke. I know it's the thing is, there's nothing. Fuck you. you can't, listen, you can't be a conservative and be funny. It's just not possible. It's no. not possible. Don't like, laugh about how a priest molested you. Yeah. If that happened to you, that's terrible. So th- no, I I pursued him. Fuck you. Uh, you're sick. So the so if you're going to be a comedian. Um, and uh, Republican. The only thing you can do is just say awful things and pretend it's comedy. Well, he's what... I mean, you would use your agitator status for good, but he thinks of himself as an agitator as well, I think. And that's what Ann Coulter does, too. True. And Bill Maher. Bill Maher is an agitator. Bill Maher can go... That's why he had Milo on his show. Yeah. And I bet Bill Maher feels... You know what's insane? I bet Bill Maher actually thinks this is really funny. Oh yeah, that that Milo this this video of Milo defending pedophilia has come out now. I'm sure Bill Maher will either turn his back with some snarky joke or pretend it pretend he never even had Milo on the show at all. Yeah, Bill Maher shouldn't have a show. Not at all. Absolutely. He should not. be relegated to like bad car radio. Ugh. If anything, he doesn't deserve anything. He's a fucking racist and like and also I'm atheist and I, like I. I don't believe in like matters of faith or religion, but the way, I mean, the way Bill fucking wields it, it, nope. Interesting how you combine that with racism really easily. Yeah. Tend to really roll those two things together. And you're not really making a case for people who are atheists. Yeah. Like, come on now. Bill let's... Maher and Sam Harris can go fuck themselves. Ugh. I remember watching, did you see Religious? No, I never, I never bothered with I, that. I, I, I saw that in a theater. I can't take Bill Maher. Like, he, no. he, for, he, never, he, doesn't, he never knows what the fuck he's talking about. Like, that's that's my first complaint against Bill Maher from back in the day. No. He never he's a comedian. knows what the fuck he's talking about. Like, he's, gr- sure, he's great in DC Cab, but what else has he done <laughs> with a while? He's great in DC Cab. I'd say he was okay. Uh, there's nothing about DC Cab that is not great. No one, no one looks at Bill Maher's performances like, oh, Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters and Bill Maher in DC Cab. Um, everything about DC Cab is the perfect movie. Uh, the soundtrack is great. That stinger scene is great. Uh, after the credits roll, that that the last little gag they yeah. do at the very end is funny. Um. The gender, like the, the the gay, like transgender stuff that they're kind of referencing, that doesn't really work yeah, anymore. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, Milo, um, it's it, listen. It was you know everything's fine. It's cool. It's comedy. It's whatever. Come on, oh Milo, Milo, you're, we're cool. We're cool, man. <laughs> they they canceled my book. Did they cancel your book? Did they or did you cancel your, your fucking book? Oh, yeah. Stop talking about the genitals of 13-year-olds, you fucking prick. Oh, no one taught me to give head better than Father McClanahan. Hilarious. What a great joke. 
Let's, let's stop talking about Milo and start talking more about Chris Christie eating meatloaf that he doesn't want. <laughs> Eat it. Eat it. It's good. It's the best meatloaf. Eat it. <laughs> so funny. Oh, man. Milo, you're the cheese. <laughs> you're the cheese. <laughs> you stand alone. Oh, goodness. Oh, did we mention that's punky? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, who won who lost? I don't know. It's very hard to really come at these as two segments. Yeah, let's put these together. Best dressed, worst dressed, and who won who lost for both apps together. Oh, dear God. Um, I really have no thoughts on the dress. Henry always looks like garbage. Yeah. Uh, Eugene looks like garbage because he's always wearing his stupid uniform. Um, I don't know. There really there were no like real side characters that like only pop in for one episode. That's usually where um, you find that stuff. I would say worst dressed is Pizza Woman. Pizza Woman. Well, that's her uniform though. It's not her choice. Well, that's still she's still wearing it. That's, that's all ju- that matters. I just wanted to throw that coffee out in there. Um, that is a very terrible outfit. It's very much of its time, but somehow much worse than its time. Um, it's almost like something you'd see. She looks like she should be serving at a weird theme restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, like, you order biscuits. <laughs> nice. I think the theme for that would be Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, do you ever go to Granny's? No. Is it called Granny's? Oh, man. There's, like, a bad, you, like, order at a counter, but what you're ordering... And then you take it on a tray to sit down, but what you're ordering is what you would want from a sit-down server restaurant. Uh, and I think it's called Granny's. I like that. And I ate with my mom there recently, and I was like, oh, this place is much crazier than I thought it was. And also there's a smoking section in 2016. <laughs> what? That's not legal. I, ugh, something was going on. I don't, everything about it seemed very backwards. It used to have a very rustic interior design, like you were in like a weird pirate cabin, <laughs> like the bowels of a pirate ship almost. But now it just has this creepy Boston Market gray wall thing going for it. And oh man, I might be remembering this completely wrong, but I'm, I want to say there was a smoking section. Wow. Like, I mean, the whole place gave off a we have a smoking section feel, if that's, if that's all I can say. I will say that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Pizza Woman, worst outfit. Uh, now is the question, what, what is the question? Are you still doing best dressed or is it, is anyone best dressed, than, best dressed better than Punky? It's, it's best dressed still, but, uh, I mean, the, the one to beat is always Punky Brewster. Um, cause it's kind of a given. She's dressed in a pretty rad outfit. Uh, I like Cherry's crazy headband. <laughs> I was even though she doesn't need it. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, uh, Cherry, um, when we first see her, when she's wearing a little blue sweater with the dogs on it. You just love dogs, man. <laughs> Dude, well, I didn't realize there were dogs. I was just gonna say that sweater, and then I realized, oh, there's little dogs on that sweater. I like it even more. Um, yeah, I think that's more than fine. Uh, I, best I, dressed, worst dressed. I would say, I if if we awarded for hair, I would have to give it to that uh, blue and purple kid. Uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> hair does not count. No, 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 no hair, my friend. Um, in terms of who won and who lost, well, Punky got her own room. True. So, when? Uh, she found Henry. When? Uh, Henry lost a room. Lose. I- uh, Eugene almost died. <laughs> that was almost a win for me. Mm-hmm. I gotta... S- I hate to say it. Um, Brandon the dog got covered in paint. Brandon loses. Brandon lost. Because dogs don't like taking baths anyway. No. Especially not right? when they're gonna have to, like... Like get all that matted paint out of his fur. And 
The, well, t- the paint in his mouth. Oh. Dogs would drink paint. They would. Oh. Or at least they taste it. Yeah. You're making your dog sick. Yeah. Like, come on, Punky. Punky. Punky won. Brandon lost. If you love that dog, Punky, you're going to have to be a little more careful from here on out. Definitely. Uh, YouTube uh, YouTube classifies this as uh, under the category of film and animation. <laughs> I don't know if this is film. Certainly not animation. Uh, for about 20 seconds, it's animation, I guess. That also just made me think of all the 80s movies where that begin with cartoon openings. Oh, yeah. Which I find... I don't know if you've talked about... Uh, other We Hate Movies has talked about this. Yeah, definitely. But I always think of uh, Troop Beverly Hills did it to a very good Beach Boys song called Make It Big. It's a great Beach Boys song. Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids did it. City Slickers. Um, uh, Both City Slickers and Mannequin. Mannequin does like Keith Haring art. That's very, it's probably the best part of it. What is a very bad film. Um, So I'm all for animated openings. Also, now I just want to see what the animation is like on the Punky Brewster cartoon. Yeah. Because you guys talked about that. Yeah, I need to look that up. I haven't seen that in forever. Oh my God. It's the same style, I think. Oh, is it? I think it is. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, no. It makes me think of Rainbow Bright. Rainbow Bright, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a screen grab, and it kind of looked like it was more angular, like kind of like pop arty. Sort. This is a weird-looking cartoon. Yeah. She goes to a fantasy world, and she has like a little magic animal? Yeah. Where's Brandon? That's... Also, why is the opening over a minute and 15 seconds long? Oh, boy. <laughs> Man alive. This episode is called Call Me Miss. No, thank you. (laughs) I'm not going to call you nothing. Also, Punky looks vaguely Asian. (laughs) What is going on? A lot going on. Punky. Punky. Friends, uh, that does it for another episode of the Ramjack Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you would like to communicate with us, please do. You can call us 979-476-9877 or 979-GROW-UP-7. You can email us. There's a there's a Twitter. There's a website, ramjackpodcast.com. Uh, there's a wiki. Go to the wiki. Join the Facebook group. Do all the things that you can do. Help me uh, round out that, uh, that section of closers. <laughs> yeah, I need to get back on that. S- slow but sure. Slow but sure. Um, I always keep it up to date with the new episodes. It's just a matter of getting through all the backlog. Yeah. Jonathan, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter. That's uh, J-O-N-P-E-R-N-I-S-E-K. And of course, I co-host How Rude, the Full House podcast with Brandon Shockney. Uh, the most recent episode that we released was the episode in which we cover the GameCube game, Mary Kate and Ashley, colon, Sweet 16, dash, License to Drive. That is... They couldn't figure out a title. <laughs> Yikes. If you ever played a video game and thought, this is too fun, then might I suggest. <laughs> I mean, it did sound like more fun than that um, Kim Kardashian game, but... What are you talking about? Did you play that game? No, I didn't. I've never played the Kim Kardashian game, but I've, I've heard about it. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure from what experience you were pulling. <laughs> what a comparison. <laughs> I mean, it Listen, certainly sounds better. My, I've got my uh, finger on the pulse of uh, pop culture. Sure. <laughs> I don't think that game's been a thing for quite some time. Um, it certainly sounds a lot better than the NES game where you played the Noid. Did you realize there was an NES game about the Noid? Oh, I, I did never played the Noid game. I did play the 7-Up Spot game quite a bit. Did you realize that there was an unreleased, very real NES game about Socks the Cat? Oh. 
Yes, that is true. <laughs> we loved our presidential pets. We, uh, you said that, and I was really hoping one of you might know about that, and I wanted to interject and go, the socks, the cat game. <laughs> Manzies. I'm pretty sure it's just a Mario clone, as everything was for the NES. Of course. What if it's Mario, but socks the cat? <laughs> what if it's Mario, but the Noid? <laughs> Brad, you know, we've spent uh, a couple hours now uh, recording. I don't know if you're hungry or thirsty. I have some options for you here. Uh, I, I always like to uh, accommodate my, my co-host of the day. Uh, would you like, uh, oh, I have here, uh, would you like a hamburger from Pops? My tempting, I'll pass. Oh, okay, perhaps, well, perhaps maybe you're more in the mood for a, a, an after-recording uh, liqueur. How about a glass of lunch wine? Oh, but I have to go to work tomorrow. Oh, yes, it's very bad to drink before work. (laughs) Way before work. Oh, scandalous, surely. Well, then perhaps I might be able to offer you 6 to 12 miniature samples of piping hot, previously frozen party pizza party pizza. wind little more hope gotta get this stupid kite to fly gotta make sure it doesn't snag doesn't droop doesn't drag gotta watch out for every little whoops less speed little more tack less rise little more slack gotta keep my wits about me now gotta make sure it doesn't get the best of me till i get it in the air somehow Millions of little kids do it every day They make a kite and poof, it's in the sky Leave it to me to have the one fool kite Who likes to see a little kid cry Less talk, little more skill, less luck, little more will Gotta face this fella I die Now that I've seen you chasing moles, climbing trees, digging holes Catching your string on everything passing by Why not fly? Wait a minute What's it doing? It isn't on the ground It isn't in a tree It's in the air Look at that It's caught the breeze now It's past the trees now With room to spare Oh, what a beautiful sight And I'm not such a clumsy guy If I really try I can really fly 